It's season seven and time for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at a week of wrestling with your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, where we take a look back at the big three. That's Monday Night Hurrah! The NXT and Friday Night Smackdown. And in that very particular order as well, listener. Now, there's only one thing left to do. And that's to say, Shabalabalo! It's time to start the wrestling show. So, if you will please... Take it away, and let's go! Oh, hello there. It's that time again. Take a very cynical look back at uh, Monday Night Raw on The Wrestling Show. So, uh, and a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Lip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. Wellbo, <clears throat> Wellbo, welcome to the Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of uh, Representing the WWE and live from the Toyota Arena in Ontario, California. It's Monday Night Raw. Air date, September the 25th, 2023. This episode is The Road to uh, a Fast Lane. Now, before we dive into the show, just a quick shout-out to the non-competitors. That's right, they are the glue that holds the building uh, together. The uh, mortar, so to speak. First and foremost, representing the authority figure, it is, of course, Adam Pierce. Next, getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they are the team of Jackie Redmond and Byron Saxton. And, of course, heading into the ring, we have the announcer letting everybody know who is about to fight and the results of such matches. We got Samantha Irving, and last but certainly not least, we got the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of my personal favorite. He's, uh, a, for sure, a future Hall of Famer. <clears throat> he's got the, the raspy, yet so soothing voice. He's uh, the all-knowing, all-wise. He's, he's uh, the best out there. My personal man crush, Wade Barrett! And backing up Wade Barrett, it's uh, the longtime veteran of over 25 years. It's Michael Cole. Now, without any further ado's, let's get started with the show. Now, we start huge... It's, uh, he hasn't been around for a bit, but uh, you know, make a big one. noise. Royal but we start family. the show with the one and only. Hook. Hook. 
formerly known as Star Who Dust American Nightmare Three I got a rumbling in my bowels And I think I'm gonna blow There's a bathroom stall I'm finally here The toilet's there I'm about to blow I ate five tacos before the show Shut the door and I sit down on the throne Oh, whoa I was never party trained When I was younger My father was never there I did a poo today Don't have to do lingerie I told my mother That's right <clears throat> Cody Rhodes entered the ring there, and uh, he's got some answering to do. He got some. He's got some uh, explaining to do about uh, uh, Jay Uso. Why? Why did you bring Jay Uso to uh, Raw? And he's saying there's a lot of people who don't like Jay in Raw, and considering also that now that Jay's in Raw, somebody will have to be going to SmackDown. Who? Well, you know, if they didn't lay off so many people, you know, someone could have been there anyway. Anyways, uh, so yeah, that and also at uh, Jay, he's got some issues with the Judgment Day, not joining Judgment Day and whatnot. Um, so he's talking about this, this and that's whatnot. I don't really when when uh, Cody Rose talks, I do a, a little bit of a nap. I don't really do that. But interfering with his talk, it's the Judgment Day. It's uh, Finn Balor. Damien Priest and Dirty Dog Well, Mike your mom told me the other day really that you're never home That's why they're seriously upset. Um, they're like, uh, you know, why are you sticking your nose in Judgment Day business? You know, and uh, why? It's all about one thing. It's all about everything's about Cody Rhodes. It's all about Cody Rhodes. It's true. I think it's true. It's all about Cody Rhodes. Well, I think this more or less. Uh, Cody Rhodes, my thing of him. He just he not just he wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved, but he's has a need. He's got a need for love. He needs uh, he needs your love. Otherwise, he just can't work properly. You know. I mean, after all, he got no love in the All Elite, and he's like Sarah. Even though I started this company, see you later, suckers. I'm going to. My old stomping ground again. Eat my farts. He didn't say any of that. He might have. I never, you know, who knows what he says in his parts and his part on his own time. But anyways, he's taking front of the old, uh, the judgment day end up coming down there, like I say, and uh, they got a problem with them. Dominic, Myster Dominic Mysterio. Oh my, dirty Dom. Oh my goodness. The heat this guy gets. It is next level. This guy, he is, he's in fuego. He's on fuego. He is the, right now, he's the greatest uh, Mysterio out there, you know, I don't think Rey Mysterio ever got this much heat, never got this much heat, Rey Mysterio is a great talent, but Dominic Mysterio, he's on another level, and he's still a child, basically, he's still just a young adult, you know, and he's done so, oh, so much, anyways, the, the crowd, they're just too much, too loud for him, and Cody Rhodes is, you know, Cody Rhodes just booked so well, put him against the right people to make Cody Rhodes loved, Anyways, not a big fan of Cody Rhodes, as you can probably tell. Me always bashing Cody Rhodes. Uh, I'm Cody Rhodes. What do you want to talk about? What do you want to talk about? I love saying that. Uh, you might not know us, but Cody Rhodes is actually not in the studio. Just sounds like him. A lot like Cody Rhodes. Hi, 
I'm Cody. Anyways, so it comes down to this. It's uh, well, three on one, and it's going to be Judgment Day beat down on uh, Cody Rhodes. But however, we got ourselves some Jey Uso backing up some Cody Rhodes. But still, it's still three on two, and still going to be beat down until, of course, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn come and join Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso in the ring there. Because after all, uh, it's going to be uh, a big tag team main event where the uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn will be fighting the Judgment Day for a rematch at their titles, baby. Tag team titles. So now it's four on three, and the Judgment Day is like, well, you know what? We know when we're out of class, so then they take off. They, they're like about to leave the whole situation alone until, of course, J.D. McDonough comes up in behind with two chairs. You know, you know he's got his brother's back. So J.D. McDonough hands his brother a chair and he, he says, hey, let's go, let's finish the job. So then, of course, uh, J.D. and Finn Balor leads away. He's like, yeah, we got chairs now, let's go. J.D. McDonough falls behind. Uh, Dominic Mysterio is like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm going. So he goes there and there. Um, Damien Priest is like, oh, uh, what the, what is going on around here? Uh, <clears throat> okay, my deep voice is not gone today. I'm Damien Priest. What's going on around here? It's not going down. Damien Priest is just not doing it. He doesn't want any part of going back to the ring there until he feels he's just staying there watching the adjustment day, getting your ass handed to them. You know, because it's still four on three, even though we got two chairs in the ring there. Until... Damien Priest finally decides to join the ring. He gets down there, and then by the time he gets in the ring, Deji um, McDonough, he gets knocked, kicked out of the ring. He gets beaten up, knocked, thrown out of the ring. Finn Balor, same thing, beaten up, thrown out of the ring. Dominic Mysterio, beaten up, thrown out of the ring. So now it's a four-on-one. And then Jey Uso with a massive kick to the face. Whammo! And then Cody Rhodes with a chair shot to the back of Damien Priest's head. Whammo! Damien Priest, yep, not feeling so good now. So, bad feelings had by Damien Priest on uh, what just transpired. So, anyways, we move on to our very first match. It is uh, representing the Alpha Academy. It is Otis. And with Otis, it is Maxine Dupree. Not there today is Chad Gable. Now, whether he is actually at the show or not, I don't think he's even at the show. You know? Because if they're not shown live, they're probably somewhere else. Somewhere else that they pre-recorded uh, a segment Okay, so this match here, it's uh, Alpha Alpha Academy's Otis versus the big man himself, Bronson Reed. The big man. Now, they're both big, big guys. They're both tanks in the ring there. Now, Big E Langston would say that this would be a match between uh, two guys. It's a uh, uh, meat slapping meat. You know, two meaty men slapping meat. And that's what uh, Wade Barrett even said. Two meaty men slapping meat. And it's true. These two were just trying to see who was the bigger guy, two bigger, the stronger man. They were going against the ropes there and slapping meat. Slapping the meat. Mm -hmm. This match here was about, uh, you know, four and a half minutes, roughly. Four and a half minutes. You know, it's a lot of back and forth, but until, of course, um, they took the match outside. Otis does what he does best. He does the perfect Otis. He runs himself into the steel post. After they fight outside for a bit, he knocks, takes himself out of the match. They fight on inside the ring there. Otis, he gets picked up. And then it's Samoan drop time, baby. Samoan drop. It was pretty impressive. Now, the match does go on. Otis turns things around, you know. He slams down, uh, what's that, uh, you know, Bronson Reed. And then he goes for his ridiculous move. I mean, this is the thing, I think, I truly believe, Otis, if he wants to be taken seriously, he can have some fun moves, you know. But that, uh, 
that uh, you know the, the caterpillar. It's got to go. He's if he if Bronson Reed uses a caterpillar, it should be against opponents that are jobbers. He's going to squash. So he uses it because he knows he's going to easily crush his opponent. So might as well may have fun. But if you're going against someone serious, a serious competitor, you know, drop the caterpillar. You know, but he does the caterpillar. He draw. He ends up with the the weakest. One of the weakest. The caterpillar does not. He does nothing to help his elbow drop. Because when he, but he does his uh, three caterpillars, he goes up for his elbow. There's nothing on it. Although he's a big guy, and an elbow drop from him in any any height will hurt. Me, but not Bronson Reed. Forget about it. So after that, he goes for the Vader bomb. He goes on the second rope. And he goes, oh, 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 oh. He tries to squash uh, Bronson. Bronson moves out of the way. And then, of course, Bronson follows up with a uh, running Santon squashing Otis. And that's pretty much the end. The beginning of the end, because after that, Bronson Reed goes to the top rope with the Tsunami Splash. Splashes a holy hell out of uh, four-point Otis. It's over! Otis loses as huge. I mean, I wouldn't see anything different. Bronson Reed took out Chad Gable. Last week, this week, it's Otis. Mm-hmm. Next week, it's probably going to be Otis and Gable. <laughs> probably not. Anyways, we go backstage now with Becky Lynch. Uh... With her new favorite person in the whole wide world. I don't know. It's Tegan Knox. Tegan Knox finally back. After, who knows, I mean, it's been a while since Tegan Knox has been back, you know. Uh, she's been injured. And Tegan Knox gets injured uh, a lot. And uh, she's back from uh, injury. Um, and I guess she's finally back full, full throttle. Now, last week, Becky Lynch had a open challenge for the NXT Championship uh, ma- uh, title on Raw. And it was Natalia who came out there, Natalia Bretheart, who came out there to accept the challenge. Even though every girl back there had an opportunity, but uh, Natalia decided to take it upon herself to take it. Um, and the whole thing was, yeah, I saw you. Oh, I saw you standing there. The, the accent is horrible. She says she's seen Tegan Knox by the uh, gorilla position, but she was passed up by Natalia. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it comes down to this. Well, I expected you to come down to the ring there. And uh, you know what? When I beat Tiffany Stratton, which would never happen, Tiffany Stratton's going to win in uh, NXT tomorrow. I hope so. Anyways, I, Tiffany Stratton's such a great talent. But anyways, if uh, Becky Lynch beats Tiffany Stratton and retains the NXT championship, she's going to give the next opportunity to Tegan Knox. And she's like, you know what? Sometimes you got to step on people's toes to get what you want. And it's absolutely true. If you want to be the nice person, people are going to walk on top of you. Sometimes you got to do the sp- Sometimes you got to do the walking. Okay, next up, we got ourselves backstage with uh, Adam Pierce, Tegan Knox, putting the uh, actions to fruition. She's asking uh, an opportunity for uh, a number one contendership to uh, Becky Lynch's title. And then that's when, of course, the... Uh, the I guess, wrench in the, uh, you know, whatever. It's uh, Natalia Bret Hart comes in there and she says, and when you get a chance, when you want a chance, when you don't get to earn your chance, you know, I want a rematch. It's like, hey, listen, uh, listen, lady, you already lost. You lost. So get them back in the line. Anyways, it comes down to a challenge. A challenge. And I see, yep, this is uh, Tegan Knox. She's getting back into things and she's going to um, tread all over Natalia's dream. Natalia, Natalia Bret Hart. Um, as far as her career, her, her career in uh, WWE, I can see nothing in it. 
She can be a girl who uh, pushes other wrestlers. She's a talented woman uh, in ring. But when it comes down to uh, psychology of wrestling itself, Natalia's not there. You know, she's, uh, she had Bret Hart's uh, ability in the ring there, but none of his psycho psycho psychology. No psychology there. So I think for sure, if Natalia wants to be taken seriously and become a champion, a legitimate champion, she should go down to uh, All Elite, considering All Elite has a love fest for the, the Hart Foundation, the Hart name. I mean, I would imagine if Natalia went to uh, All Elite, champion within a month or two, at least, at, at least a month, maybe two months, become the legitimate champion of the All Elite. But anyways, this match is set up and ready to rock and roll sooner or later. But right now we go to our second match. It is uh, representing the Imperium. It's Ludwig Kaiser versus Tommaso Ciampa. Now, Tommaso Ciampa, he wants his ultimate goal is the uh, Intercontinental Championship against uh, Gunter. Um, he went through, of course, uh, you know, uh, um, Giovanni Vinci already last the other week with a big win, making Giovanni the weak link. Now it's this time it's uh, Ludwig Kaiser trying to, you know, make uh, Tommaso Ciampa look bad in this match here. Now, here's the thing. With um, Ludwig Kaiser, it's uh, Giovanni Vinci. And uh, nowhere, of course, again, it's uh, Gunther. Gunther is uh, watching the match on a TV, but we don't know where that is. It could be, who knows? It could be in Germany, for all we know. But he's watching the match carefully. And while the match happens, they fight outside for a bit there. It was fun. They, they get uh, thrown around out there. Um, Tomas Champa throwing uh, Ludwig Kaiser into everything. It's hilarious into the uh, rings, into the uh, uh, the ring itself, into the throws him into the uh, you know commentating table, and then throws him headfirst into the or oh, throws him in over the uh, steel steps. It's ridiculous because I think once you're outside the ring there and you start throwing your your opponent into things, that should be a disqualification. You know, throwing someone into the steel steps. It's just like uh, the other way around. Anyways, it's so ridiculous. They got to do something about the the uh, rules outside the ring. You know? It's definitely changed from the old school. Mm -hmm. Is it more exciting when you can do stuff out like this outside the ring and people that bored? Anyways, back to the match. Back to the match. It is basically a lot of back and forth, but basically it's this. Tommaso Ciampa is basically being a holy hell out of, uh, you know, Ludwig Kaiser. With, uh, as soon as they get back into the ring there, it is a widow's bell, knocking a holy hell out of Ludwig. Um, now we got to a point where Tomas Trapp is going for his, uh, he exposes his knee, and his naked knee from his uh, padding and to uh, do his knee's final knee strike. To, uh, what's that, uh, Ludwig Kaiser! Until Giovanni decides to, to come in there and intervene. He comes in the ring there, uh, he, I guess, distracts, uh, um, Tommaso. Tommaso uses that knee against uh, Giovanni, knocks him out, clean out, knocks him clean out, you know. So he's on the ground there, out cold. The referee decides to check on um, Giovanni, see if he's okay. And while he's checking on Giovanni, it is a uh, one a nice insigiri kick to Tommaso Ciampa's side of his head. He goes down there. Ludwig Kaiser goes for a pin, but the referee is still checking on Giovanni Vinci. So the pin does not count because he did not see it. Then after that, it's uh, Kaiser. He kicks out Giovanni from the ring. Out my ring, you idiot! You fool! And he turns around to get... Uh, uh, now, 
this is a finishing move from Tommaso Ciampa. It was my eyes. I seen a I seen a giant whiff, a knee a leg slap. That's why I saw a flying leg slap. That's what it was. But this is what it was called. It was so bad. Uh, what's that? Uh, Michael Cole called it a running knee. He wasn't running at all. There's no running in it. And then after that, he called it a uh, a flash knee. And then after that, he called it the uh, the ripcord knee. It wasn't a knee at all. It looked like it was a, it was a whiff of a knee. It was probably a kick to his face. It was it was lousy. But anyways, it was enough to win a match and enough to make uh, what Tommaso win and Gunther livid. No one loses to you. Uh, right, he never said that. Anyways, after that, we got to a big match. It is a uh, the future number one contenders ship to the NXT Championship match. Of course, if uh, Bailey beats Tiffany Stratton on uh, NXT. To retain, this would be a legitimate number one contendership match. And it is uh, Tegan Knox on a return match, return to the uh, main roster from injury. And uh, not wearing any braces at all on her knees. I think she's 100%. Versus Natalia Bret Hart. You know? And of course, we all know who's going to win this match. And it's not going to be Natalia. Now, joining this match, watching carefully, it's uh, Becky Lynch, of course. You know, uh, seeing, of course, uh, her number one girl is doing this match here, uh, Tegan Knox. Will she kind of beat, you know, uh, Natalia? Will she have to fight Natalia yet again? But like I always say, Natalia is better off in, uh, you know, AEW. Uh, um, Impact, she just forget about Impact. Don't even bother Impact. AEW. Or Bust, baby. Anyways, ba Becky Lynch, no IC this time, or no. Um, lemonade. Oh, you got to turn lemon into lemonade. Uh, they did drop that a long time ago. Anyways, inside the ring, we got ourselves an interesting move. It is, it is, it was a tough match to watch. Uh, I guess it's going to take a couple for before, uh, you know, Tegan Knox gets back into stride, you know, and her, to have some good wrestling. She does this move. It's like this cannonball, the Santon cannonball, which does a back bump. It's like Shotzi. Shotzi does the same type of move, but this one is just so, so messy looking. So it leads up to a shining wizard, the shiniest of wizard, but misses, um, I guess, Natalia's last shot for when she goes, goes for a schoolgirl roll-up. Doesn't get it. Um, Tegan Knox uh, pulls the trunks of uh, Natalia. She goes throat first onto the second rope. And then she gets off there. And then after that, it's a, uh, the shiniest of wizard, the shiniest of wizards. Mm -hmm. Tegan Knox, although it looks more like a Tegan Knox running up and giving her uh, face scissors, scissoring her face, but it's the Shining Wizard putting it out of reach in 2 minutes and 40 seconds, under 3 minutes, this match. Mm -hmm. Underwhelming on both sides. I think uh, Natalia can perform a lot better than this. Um, you know, but uh, Natalia. Anyways. Tegan Knox wins, and now she's waiting for, uh, I guess, Becky Lynch. If she wins, Tegan Knox gets next chance next week on Raw. So after that, we go backstage, and it's a little bit of the Judgment Day. All pissed off. They're all mad as hell. You know, uh, Damien Priest getting in the face of J.D. McDonough. Hey, J.D., you're not in Judgment Day. You're never going to be in Judgment Day. Hey, I'm Damien Priest. That's right. That's what he sounds like. Uh, you're never gonna be anyway. So yeah, uh, um, so get the hell out of here. Get out of here. So yeah, he tells uh, you know, JD, get the hell out of the locker room. 
is he's not welcome. Part of the Judgment Day, he's so furious. I took a beating for you. I took a beating for you. Anyways, after that, we got ourselves Seth Rollins. He's in the ring there, and he's uh, he's a little bit tired of Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, they had a big, uh, their last uh, pay-per-view. Uh, Shinsuke lost, and Shinsuke's been uh, tormenting uh, uh, Seth Rollins every now and then, you know, attacking him every now and then. Uh, Seth Rollins, he wants a rematch. He's demands, he needs, he wants to fight uh, Shinsuke. And many times, he gives offers him an opportunity. Hey, come on, I'm challenging you right now. And Shinsuke... Not taking it, never taking it. And this time, Seth Rollins like, listen, this is it. I'm uh, challenging one more time. If you don't want this one here, if you don't want to accept my challenge, I'm going to rescind that challenge. Going to give to somebody else. Straight up. I'm tired of waiting you. I'm a fighting champion. If you don't want to fight me, I'll fight somebody who wants to fight, who wants to be the champion. He didn't really quite say it like that, but it just is that. If, you, if you're not hungry for the belt, get out of line. Let someone else who's hungry for that belt to have an opportunity at the belt, you know? If you want to take your time, get lost. Get lost. This is not about you. It's funny because uh, Shinsuke, he's taking his time about the whole thing, like thinking like if Shinsuke Nakamura was actually the champion right now, this would make sense. What are you so hurry for? What are you in a hurry for? You know, take your time. So it is weird, Shinsuke, really. And the whole promo Shinsuke does, he cuts in, he starts talking about what he's going to do to uh, Seth Rollins. And it's, it's upsetting. Because Shinsuke, 100% Shinsuke's given up on the English language. Completely f forget it. You know what? I'm not going to grasp the English language. So I might as well just not forget about it. I'm too old and too stupid to learn it. Okay, that's a little bit cynical. Maybe too cynical. But anyway, Shinsuke does this whole thing in compassionate uh, Japanese. You know, we got to read it. I'm like, oh, God damn, I got to read this shit. You know? So, yeah. So it's going to be at Fastlane. It's going to be uh, Last Man Standing. And I feel at uh, Fastlane, we're going to have a new champion. Shinsuke Nakamura would probably be the new champion at Fastlane. Seth Rollins, he needs some time. He needs some time off. He needs some time to, to uh, heal. Because he goes at this, he's uh, he'd either heal or retire. But then again, I really don't know how bad Seth Rollins really is or his if those uh, cracked vertebrae in his back is actually um, a work or it's uh, real so with that we got ourselves the injured oh, wait for the ricochet with Jackie Redman you know and uh, he's, he's injured so he's you know what's gonna do when you come back the whole thing it's like uh, basically it's this um which going to do when you return to the ring? It's uh, Ricochet. He's, he hasn't forgotten about how he got injured in the first place, and that's Shinsuke Nakamura taking him out with the chair. With the chair the other week. So, yeah, when he comes back, he wants Shinsuke Nakamura. Whether he is champ or is not the champion, it doesn't matter. He just wants... He, the story's not finished with him and Shinsuke. So, next up, it is uh, the match of the night. Match of the night. And it is a mid-card match. It's just shocking. Because this one here, this match should have either been A, it should have been a bookend match. It should have been either A, should have uh, kicked off the show, or B, finished off the show. Period. End of sentence. Um, because I say, it is the uh, NXT North American Championship match. Your um, reigning and defending champion, Dirty Dominic Mysterio, by himself, Nobody by his side. No Rhea Ripley. She's still injured. She's still 
I guess, quote, injured from uh, Nia Jax from a couple of weeks ago. And this one here is, he's defending his belt against now, this is no rush. He's fighting uh, Dragon Lee. Now, Dragon Lee, uh, what a major talent. Major, major talent. Um, I think it's this match, after this match, I think Dragon Lee will be joining the main roster. Now, Dragon Lee, he is one hell of a lucha, luchador. luchador. Massive Topi Suicida, well over the top rope. Clearing that top rope, this is the most complicated Topi Suicida you can get. Do most terrifying you can possibly do. You need cojones to the top rope to pursue seed. Not just cojones, but you need athletic ability. Because if you don't have athletic ability, going over the top rope is impossible. But anyways, he goes over, crushes some uh, Dominic Mysterio. Dominic, his style of wrestling is really good. He takes advantage of your weaknesses and he attacks. He, he doesn't have like rows of offense. He uh, he takes part of what uh, you, your mistakes. So basically, he turns around a move. He gets uh, um, Dragon Lee with a cheeky uh, Michinoku driver. It's pretty good. No, it was basically, like I say, Dragon Lee was uh, dominating this match with uh, parts of uh, Dominic Mysterio with an offensive move and getting close victories like that. Dominic Mysterio takes a big bump. He's standing outside the ring, standing outside the ring area, outside the ropes, on top of the ring area, on top of the mat. Um, Dragon Lee... Hurricanrana throws him off the top rope outside the ring there. He takes a big bump. Dominic takes a massive bump. But I'm saying thank goodness for this the new state-of-the-art padding they have out there. Five inches of this, uh, you know, foam padding outside the ring that uh, on top of the car hard concrete really allows some really wonderful outside spots and more of them too. Gives people more confident of taking these crazy-ass bumps. Anyways... Dragon Lee with a massive powerbomb gets uh, Dominic Mysterio down. But not out, though. Now, Dragon Lee, he sets up Dominic Mysterio for the, uh, they call it the Alberto Del Rio. Where uh, Dominic Mysterio, he's basically sitting on a top rope. He gets pushed backwards and he's trying to get up. So he's, he's holding on. He's almost in like a plank, look, plank uh, position. Dragon Lee jumps off the top rope and then stomp. The old Stomperuni on uh, Dominic Mysterio. Now, here's where the match ends. End sequence here. You think it's over for Dominic Mysterio? Well, guess again. Because Dragon Lee thinks he's setting Dominic up, Mysterio up for some move. So Dominic Mysterio is setting up, getting up on a corner. Dragon Lee sets, sets up on the other corner. He's going to do a move. I'm not sure what it could be. Um, but he's running up to uh, Dominic. Dominic, thinking fast, he picks up, he lifts up uh, Dragon Lee. Dragon Lee gets uh, crotched on the top rope. That's right. His, gets, his balls get squashed on the top rope. It's uh, not good for Dragon Lee. Dragon gets uh, falls off top rope. Dominic Mysterio, with his quick thinking, goes on top rope with a five-star. A five-star frog splash. Crushes Dragon Lee and his dreams. <laughs> Dominic Mysterio with his best match, best um, title defense he's had ever. I think this is Dominic's, actually, I think this is Dominic's greatest match he's had so far. Because this match was clean. Nobody helping Dominic Mysterio win. So, yeah, very good win for Dominic Mysterio. However, I do not think we will see the last of Dragon Lee in Monday Night Raw. Or should I say the main roster? He may not be in Monday Night Raw. Maybe SmackDown, who knows. But Dragon Lee, I think he's uh, run his course. I think he's run his course at NXT. You know? He's just a super talent. He, does, he doesn't need to be in NXT. Regardless, moving on. We got ourselves backstage antics. We're basically just watching uh, Nia Jax go to the ring there, you know. To have an interview and it's uh it's all about meme katazawa 
you know, Akira meme Tazawa. He does, he does the old thing when he sees something. Oh, oh, no, nope. Not gonna have that. Nope. And he walks away with a dumb face. I always say, you know, if Tazawa is gonna be the clown that he is, he might just go take this dumb uh, clown to the next level. You know, not just a dumb face, but how will it get those uh, rubber legs? Like, oh, I can't really walk. And it falls down. Like, pratfall. That's what would be hilarious. You know, Tazawa is a clown. He should act more like a clown. Just go right into it. Anyways, moving up next, it's the backstage and it's got a little bit of a Jackie Redmond with uh, your former tag team champions, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And it's like, what about, why did you help uh, Cody Rhodes earlier? Why did you help Cody Rhodes and uh, Jey Uso? Kevin Owens is like, you know what, we didn't, uh, it's not about uh, Jey Uso. It's not about Cody Rhodes. Sami Zayn pops in there and he says, it's not even about uh, Judgment Day. So he starts getting really impassionate. He talks about it's about them two. It's about Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. It's about uh, um, taking back what's theirs. And that's a tag team championship gold, baby. So they're looking forward with an impassioned speech. Next up, we go into the ring with uh, Michael Cole. And he's talking to uh, Nia Jax. Nia Jax, she is, truly is, uh, now I was always concerned because how she treated uh, Rhea Ripley, she could have seriously injured her, seriously crushed her ribs, uh, uh, you know, blew out one of her boobs with that giant uh, Yokozuna, you know, the, uh, you know, bonsai drop. But it's about this. Um, I think Nia Jax, she legitimately is a tough girl. She legitimately can beat up anybody. She can, she can, yeah. She's a tough woman. Now, it's all about uh, Nia Jax. She says she's the baddest, the baddest human in the WWE. And I say, yeah, I would say she's probably, she, she's up there, I would say, yeah, as an all-around person, competitor in the WWE. I'd say she can easily compete in the men's division with no problem. But uh, right now, she's the, uh, considered herself as the squasher. She's squashing everybody in her path. She squashed Rhea Ripley. She squashed uh, Piper Niven. She squashed uh, Chelsea Green. She squashed, uh, you know, Shayna Baszler. And she squashed, uh, you know, uh, what's that? Uh, Nia Jax. No, not Jax. Zoe. <laughs> She's Nia Jax. She squashed uh, uh, Zoe Stark. And it's true. Now, the question is, is um, Nia Jax good for wrestling? I think Nia Jax is so damn powerful. I think, is she too powerful? But this is the thing, Nia Jax got no flowers when she was in the first time. Now she left for a while, now she's finally back. Now if she's gonna get respect that she deserves, she, Nia Jax could be the most dominating woman in all of professional wrestling. All of professional wrestling. Um, so yeah, um, as long as she wrestles safe, I suppose. But yeah, I would say, if this was a shoot, she'd beat up every girl here. I would hope Piper Niven would have given up a better fight, but apparently not. But however, charging the ring, it's Zoe Stark. She got she got squashed last week by uh, Nia Jax. But Zoe Stark said, "Yeah, I got I got I got squashed, but you know what? You did it behind my back. Now I tried to I dare you to do it in my front of my face, face to face. I tried dare you to squash me, and pretty easily, Nia Jax pushes her to the ground, just like." pushes her ground you know and it seemed pretty damn easy it's like a, an adult pushing a child around like no effort um, Zoe Stark then charged Nia Jax and uh, she gets 
just thrown off like she's nothing. Like she's nothing. Like a, a pack of, a bag of potatoes. The, of course, the uh, officials come in, break it up. And then before you know it, they get things cleared, cleared up. And she restarted as a real match. So it's going to be Nia Jax versus Zoe Stark. Now, this was about three and a half minutes. Zoe Stark. Um, you know, she's got a lot of good intentions, I suppose. She's got she's very talented here, but I, I don't know why Zoe Stark had to be made an, an example of this match here. Um, because Zoe Stark, there's no way Zoe Stark was going to win this match. Nia Jax. Now, she's a much bigger person. Nia Jax is uh, about... I don't know. She's much larger than Zoe Stark. I can't say double her size, but she's much larger. Um, I would say Becky Lynch would be the size of Nia Jax's leg. That's so tiny Becky Lynch is. Anyway, it's not about Becky Lynch. It's about Nia Jax. And can she work this match? Nia Jax was absolutely dominating the first part of the match. It was like, uh, this was about three minutes. Very short. Very upsetting. You know? Nia Jax. Now, the only way, I guess, uh, Zoe Stark can take over is if Nia Jax does what Otis usually does. You know, this is called the four-point Otis, where she, Nia Jax throws herself, spears herself into the steel post. Pango! And that's when Zoe Stark tries to take over. Yes, she tried to drop her down with a couple, bunch of drop kicks. Zoe Stark is the queen of drop kicks. Up there, she can do some serious drop kicks with a finaling, finaling it with a springboard drop kick. <laughs> now, Zoe Stark tried to get too uh, ambitious in this match here thinking she's way too strong. She gets uh, um, Nia Jax onto her shoulders. Ah, she tries to, I don't know, perhaps some sort of a Samoan drop. But instead of a Samoan drop backwards, she falls forward on her face. She gets squashed by Nia Jax. Nia, after that, uh, drags her to the ropes, drags her over top of the ropes, and then uh, drop, drop, drops that massive leg across the back of Zoe Stark's head. Throwing her back in the ring there, and then with the, uh, it's the bonsai drop, she drops on top of the steel sitting Santon, she just crushes uh, Zoe Stark now. This was done properly. Done great. She had held on to those top ropes there. So yeah, Zoe Stark lives to fight another day. But however, today she is squashed by Nia Jax. And yeah, I gotta say, you know, uh, Nia Jax had full control over her, uh, uh, her finisher here, which is uh, very, uh, you know, I guess uh, it's good to see. So after that, we go backstage with Byron Saxon with Jay Uso. And what is Jay Uso's, I guess, future here? Will he be joining a group? And Jay's like, no more. After the bloodline, I will be joining no group. And stuff like that. And uh, East knows that uh, him and KO has got some, uh, got some heat, you know. Yeah. But uh, him and uh, Sami Zayn, they're in good, uh, good graces right now. So it basically, it's all about this. The Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn's got this big... Uh, um, tag team match, main event match um, tonight, and uh, he's going to be there to watch the backs of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, making sure the Judgment Day don't do anything funky. Get, get, get funky. Bunk, 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 bunk. So now after that, we got ourselves a, a wonderful. Oh, this segment was next level. This was a fantastic segment. This was Miz TV with the Miz. Now Miz, he was on point today his mic skills was next level this guy Miz yeah he's truly why he is uh, one of the greatest of all time with the mic anyways he comes out he, uh, his his guest for today is of course Drew McIntyre and uh, the question is now last week 
it was Jay Uso. Um, he was but he was getting his but his ass he was getting his ass kicked by uh, the uh, Judgment Day and uh, Drew McIntyre decided to walk away from the whole situation, not deal with it. And the question is: Is Drew McIntyre a coward or is he a conflicted hero? And uh, why uh, Drew McIntyre? I guess he's got some stuff to say. But uh, why he's talking? Miz, he's, uh, he has some really good points. He's saying stuff like, uh, you know what? Me and you, we got a lot in common. A lot in common. And he brings, he says a lot of these points when it's very true. You know, the type of person they are and uh, how they see what happened with uh, Jey Uso, how they treat everybody, you know. And uh, Drew McIntyre, you think there's some sort of alliance going to be happening. It is some seriously good stuff. But Drew McIntyre is on the same page as Kevin Owens. You know, he doesn't trust Jey Uso. doesn't trust Jey Uso at all costs everybody so much and then that's when oh my goodness Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston come out there um they're not a fan of Drew McIntyre it is brutal um now <laughs> Xavier Woods he's got some cutting marks I mean Xavier Woods is uh he's getting really angry he's got some real biting comments you know he's not a nice no more Mr. Nice Xavier Woods some hateful things now Kofi says uh, what uh, Drew McIntyre did was cold-blooded a cold-blooded after they call him Big D for a reason you know because he's a good guy does the right thing but now uh, Xavier Woods says uh, you know what uh, now that uh, we called you Big D but after that uh, horrible thing you got some serious shrinkage happening shrinkage oh making fun of his D oh my goodness and they said, well, I couldn't help with your uh, your big sword, just too limp. Whoa, another D joke. Oh, unbelievable. And, you know, the whole thing is with this. It's like, uh, why didn't Drew McIntyre help? It's like, well, this is the fact. You know, Drew McIntyre didn't help. It's like, why didn't you guys help? You guys were back there. The whole locker room was back there. You know? You know, even though uh, Cody Rose did upstage Drew McIntyre, by running in, you know, but it's all about this. Why did Cody Rhodes run in? Because this is uh, Cody Rhodes' problem. This is Cody Rhodes' doing, so he's just cleaning up his own mess, what Cody Rhodes did. So that's all is about that. And then they get close to the ring there. And it uh, comes uh, Miz. He's trying, to, <laughs> it's hilarious. Miz is trying to uh, stick up for Drew McIntyre. And Drew's just shutting him down. Shut up, Miz! Shut up! And Miz is uh, still on, you know, Drew McIntyre's side until Drew McIntyre decides to give him the, uh, the glass cow kiss, the glass cow kiss right in the face, just a headbutt, headbutts Miz right on the ground there. It's over for the Miz, but Miz was great. This segment was great. Miz was amazing. Drew McIntyre was pretty damn good. Xavier Woods, his insults were next level, but it comes down to this Drew McIntyre versus a Kofi Kingston in this match. Now, this is happening in a, in a very short while. But after that, we go backstage with the Alpha Academy. Otis uh, licking his wounds after losing terribly. You know, to, uh, you know, uh, what's that, uh, Bronson Reed. And he's with uh, Maxine Dupree all like, oh, it's okay. And uh, Chad Gable. They like, oh, go, you know, we'll just uh, study this in film. We'll get better. We'll work on it. And then we got, uh, what's that, uh, Ludwig Kaiser coming up there, still infatuated with Maxine Dupree. Who knows when this uh, segment was recorded? Could have been done uh, last week. 
but anyways uh, uh that's what you love about these uh these taped recordings takes taped segments taped recordings <laughs> these segments anyways maxine dupree still wants nothing to do with uh, ludwig kaiser and uh um chad gable's like well you lost too you know and he said well if you see your boss tell him i am looking for him something like that doesn't matter chad gable just get his head crushed in again by the the, the uh i guess future hall of famer gunther one of the greatest to ever lace up his boots. And with that, we go into the ring. It is representing the New Day. It's Kofi Kingston. And with Kofi Kingston, it's Xavier Woods versus Drew McIntyre. And with Drew McIntyre, it's his Scottish sword. It's uh, Karen Huapo. Um, it's probably, no, it's, it's this, he called it Angela, but it's a Karen. The sword. Come on now. That stupid Claymore, whatever. Anyways, the match was a lot of fun. They fight out. They take the fight outside there. Uh, Kofi Kingston with a massive uh, trust fall um, Santon, trust fall uh, Tope, I should say, outside the ring. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods celebrate out there with the uh, the pyramid, the uh, you know the old uh, you know uh, totem pole. Yeah, that's what. Anyways, regardless, they start fighting some more. Kofi Kingston, he is just uh, well, he's a lot smaller than uh, you know. Drew McIntyre, Drew McIntyre using his size to throw around Kofi Kingston. His, uh, his belly-to-belly throw. <laughs> it is one crazy throw. It is a serious. It's not just suplex. He throws Kofi Kingston clear across the ring. Clear across the ring. But Kofi does turn things around. Of course, because Kofi Kingston is nothing to laugh about, nothing to sneeze at. So he gets uh, Drew McIntyre down with the boom drop. The boom drop. And gets, uh, they fight outside again. Kofi Kings with another a tope suicida between the second and third rope. A really good tope suicida. Drew McIntyre turns things around there with the Alabama slam, slamming Kofi Kingston's face right onto the ring apron. Mm -hmm. Now, they fight on more to get back in the ring there. Uh, Drew McIntyre thinks he's set up Kofi Kingston enough for the three, two, one Claymore kick, but he rumps and misses everything Kofi Kingston ducks out of the way. Kofi Kingston gets uh, the SOS. SOS. He does a back bump while the other person does it. He does a front bump while the other person does a back bump. Doesn't get it though. They fight on, and this is where it gets interesting. It's Ivar. Ivar time. Him and uh, the most sexiest woman in uh, Raw. You know, dressed like uh, the Hawkman. It's uh, Valhalla, aka Sarah Logan. So Ivar comes down there and just squashes the holy hell at Xavier Woods. Just beating the hell up outside the ring. Kofi Kingston, he uh, he stops what he's doing to check out if uh, Xavier is okay. Um, Drew McIntyre grabs Kofi Kingston, pulls him back, and then follows up with one massive claymore to Kofi Kingston's face. It is over, taking full advantage of the distraction. It is uh, Drew McIntyre once again with another victory. And just like last week, he decides to leave the ring. While inside the ring, it's Kofi Kingston getting his arse handed to him by uh, Ivar. You know, uh, Val, the beautiful Val, the sexy Valhalla. Although she's dressed up like, looking like a Hawkman. Anyways, she's uh, directing traffic. Yep. Um, Drew McIntyre, nothing to do with it. He walks off. And it's Ivar. He climbs the top rope. Climbs to the top rope with a massive, beautiful, um, you know, it's a swanton. Um, it, no, it's it's a moonsault. A moonsault off the top. It's absolutely beautiful. It was crazy. The biggest 
most devastating moonsault ever in wrestling. It's uh, Ivar. So yeah, making a statement is Ivar on the new day. I think it's great. I like to see more Ivar doing it uh, because apparently it's uh, Eric is injured. And usually when the tag team partner is injured, they put the whole tag team on rest. And thank goodness not doing this because this is a perfect time for Ivar to show his greatness in that ring. Even though he didn't fight. But yeah, um, he shows his greatness. But after that, we go backstage and it's with uh, Gunther and the Imperium. Basically, we got a pecking order now. It's uh, Giovanni Vinci. He's the weakest link. And it's now uh, the Kaiser. He's he's in, he's got he's he has to take responsibility for uh, Giovanni Vinci. So if Giovanni Vinci loses, it's uh, I guess uh, Gunther has got to take action and uh, teach uh, Ludwig Kaiser a lesson. So yes, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but it's tough to hear. Mm -hmm. Perhaps it's best if Giovanni Vinci never rejoined uh, Imperium, because uh, when Giovanni changed his gimmick up. When he left Imperium the first time, he was on a roll. He had, Giovanni was almost unstoppable with the massive power bomb. He's been doing nothing but lose ever since joining Imperium. Anyways, I can see Giovanni separating maybe Alexander Wolf coming back. Who knows? I doubt it, though. Who knows? But after that is uh, Byron Saxon with a few words with uh, Ivar and the greatest body in uh, Monday Night Raw. It's uh, the sexy, you know, um, Valhalla. So, yeah, it's all about what's that? Uh, you know, making a statement, I suppose. What's that? Uh, so, I don't know. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a payback for um, Eric getting injured. So, yeah, they're going to make a statement. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, like, I really think Ivar is a huge talent. And I think uh, they really should be pushing Ivar in the solos uh, direction. And uh, who knows? This could be good. This could be good. So next up is our main event match. It is the uh, for the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. It's uh, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn versus your defending and uh, you know champions. Uh, the Judgment Days, Damien Priest and Finn Balor. And this is two on two right now. And with this tag team match, it is for sure. Uh, tag ropes do not matter. Finn Balor, however, Finn Balor is throwing a new leaf. Finn Balor is uh, a stickler to the rules. Um, you know, however, Damien Priest doesn't care. And yeah, Sami Zayn, he tagged him without it too. So the referee just doesn't give two shits if you use ropes or not. I always say this. You either use the ropes all the time or you don't use them at all. Because using them now and then is just ridiculous. I'd say they, if they stop using the ropes, they just... Uh, color coordinate the uh, mat itself so you got to be on a zone where you can stand and uh, don't have to worry about the ropes you just got to be standing on the right spot anyways this match here this was about uh, this was a pretty long match you know um, about 15 minutes long roughly it's a it's pretty long it's a pretty good match not 15 minutes a little under 15 minutes anyways uh, you got ourselves uh, Sami Zayn with a massive tope suicide over the top rope on both of them Kevin Owens with a massive, uh, what's that? Uh, it's called the uh, um, Santon style. A front bump on, on the outside of the ring on Damien Priest on a soft, soft mat. Five inches of foam on top of the hard concrete. That's right, the match goes on. Kevin Owens does uh, uh, give Damien Priest a massive, he slams him right on top of the commentating table. Match goes on, doesn't really matter. Damien Priest does get into the match eventually. Kevin Owens. With a massive frog splash, tries to end it for him. It tries to end for Finn Balor. 
doesn't work. Finn Balor gets out of that, turns things around, and gets a massive coup de gras. Sets up Kevin Owens for the coup de gras. Coup de gras is a holy hell out of Kevin Owens. Goes to the pin. However, Sami Zayn breaks it up. Last second. Now, Sami's now. Sami Zayn gets. Uh, Dave goes on. Sami Zayn fights uh, Damien Priest. Sets him up for the Huluva kick, and that's where things get out of hand. Dominic Mysterio, he finds his way to the ring apron there. De uh, distracts Sami Zayn. You know, Kev uh, Damien Priest tries to take over, but Damien Priest, he almost gets pinned again with the Blue Thunder Bomb, but it's time it's uh, Finn Balor breaking up that pin. Kevin Owens takes out Finn Balor. They fight outside the ring, and this is where things really get out of hand. Um... Uh, of course, uh, Damien Priest tries to get a, a good win over, uh, you know, Sami Zayn. Doesn't get it. Sami Zayn, well, they start fighting some more. That's when, I guess, Sami Zayn tries to finish it off. You know, and Dominic Mysterio climbs on the rope again to distract everybody. And that's when Jay Uso comes to the rescue, pulls off uh, Dominic Mysterio from the thing. They start fighting. They start fighting around the ring there to the commentating table. And then it's uh, JD McDonough comes in to even things up. So then, uh, or give the higher upper hand. So then it's now, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, Jay Uso gains ass kicked. And then it's Cody Rhodes joins the fight. And now he evens up everything up there. So now Cody Rhodes, Jay Uso starts taking, beating up everybody there. Um, you know, JD McDonald gets taken out. And then it's uh, Cody Rhodes and uh, Jay Uso start fighting uh, Dominic Mysterio. And somehow, we got the authorities come in there and get uh, Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso take escort them outside the ring there. So now the Judgment Day are still out there in full force, which is weird. In the end, it's uh, of course uh, it's you know uh, Damien Priest and uh, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. What's that? Uh, stunners, uh, Finn Balor. He goes outside the ring there. Sons outside the ring. Uh, Damien Priest throws Kevin Owens outside the ring. Sami Zayn. Then, after that one hell of a kick, a Hoover kick to Damien Priest's face. You think it's over. It's not. The referee's, uh, he's just distracted by something outside the ring there. Um, JD McDonough grabs the belt. <coughs> and whams, crashes his belt. The old intercontinental, it grabs, uh, grabs one of the belts. He smashes uh, Sami Zayn in the side of the head with it. He collapses down to the heap. Damien Priest rolls over for the pin. One, two, three, it's over. And I guess Damien Priest and uh, Jay McDonough are in good terms. But, however, this day ends with a big finish. You just can't finish like that. Before the Judgment Day can leave the ring, it is the team of... Uh, Jey Uso and, uh, you know, Cody Rhodes coming back to the ring there to fight it out now. I don't know why they left in the first place. We're going to be there for you. I'm going gonna, gonna to watch your backs just in case the Judgment Day do something funny. But they weren't there. They weren't there when it mattered. But after, it doesn't matter anymore. It's uh, the uh, Judgment Day retaining their titles. Uh, Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso come down to the ring there and they start fighting. They fight off the air. That's right. That was a big finish. The grand finale of Monday Night Raw. Now, that does wrap it up for another episode of Raw. But for this week, at least. Now, uh, if you are a podcast listener, stay tuned for some NXT after this short break. But as for the YouTube audience member, this is it for tonight. I've been your host, Lip Hayeswood, for The Wrestling Show. And I'll see you next time 
on the wrestling show. Oh, it's that time again for the wrestling show to take a very cynical look back at the NXT. So let's uh, go. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Look, really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. On the wrestling show. Wellbo, <clears throat> Wellbo, welcome to the Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at representing the WWE and live from the Performance Center in Orlando, Florida. It's the NXT air date, September the 26th, 2023. This episode is the Road to No Mercy. It is a very massive show today with uh, whew, seven, seven massive matches on the card tonight. But before we dive into the show, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right, the uh, the uh, the mortar that uh, keeps the bricks held together. Mm -hmm, it's true. First and foremost, representing the uh, the authority figure, the man in charge. He is the man. It's. Ew. Sean. Sean Michaels. That's right. Next, getting all the backstage scoops and all the uh, pre-match, um, you know, interviews. Uh, we got ourselves a team of uh, Mackenzie Mitchell and uh, Kelly Kincaid. And of course, heading into the ring, it's the announcer. It's Alicia Taylor. And last but certainly not least, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play -play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. They are the team of, uh, now he is a two-time Hall of Famer. No, that's right, a two-time Hall of Famer. The man with the uh, um, champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Shucky ducky quack quack. It's a Booker T. And of course, backing up Booker T is the ever, he is a forever voice of reason. He is a very uh, a great commentator of my own. He's in his own right. He's a good one. Top one commentator, I gotta say. It's Vic Joseph! Now, without any further acadoos, let's get the show. Let's get the show started on the go. Let's get the show on the go. Let's go, go, go. Then we start really big. <clears throat> this is uh, the Global Heritage Invitational Final. That's right, it's a finale of it, and it is uh, representing the brawling brutes. It's a Butch. Butch, he's been through a lot in his career right now, uh, and he's done absolutely, absolutely zero growth on his character development. It's true. Mm -hmm. Butch, just a stagnating kind of guy. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, you know? But you gotta evolve with the times, y'all. Anyways, it's nothing about that. In his part, in his opponent today, why? Representing the Gallus Boys. Like a bee, like a bumblebee, it's uh, um, Joe Coffee. 
Joe Coffey. And, uh, you know, escorting Joe Coffey to the ring, it's his brother, um, Marcus Coffey, and his uh, tag team partner, Wolfgang. Wolfgang. This match was about uh, close to 13 minutes. That's right. It's about 12 minutes to 40 seconds. That's what I got. I got 12 minutes to 40 seconds, roughly. Mm-hmm. What happened in the match now? This match was uh, a lot of back and forth. A lot of back and forth. This was, I'd say, match of the night. Match of the night. I'm not a big fan of Butch. I'm not a big fan of uh, Joe Coffey. Neither one of those, but they can put on a match. You know, Joe Coffey, he's uh, the little big man. Joe Coffey, in my mind, he is the, uh, he is really much, pretty much the uh, Taz Jr. He's like, he's like, uh, he's like modern day Taz, modern day Taz. That's right, he's like uh, the little guy who thinks he's like a large man. Anyways, enough with the, you know, bashing of Joe Coffey. You know, he's got a lot of attitude, just like Taz did. Okay, the match was back and forth, a lot of back and forth. Uh, now, come to a point where, uh, now, it is with Marcus and Wolfgang at the ringside. It is really a three-on-one, and it's shown proof that uh, Marcus goes, got, gets a referee's attention when, uh, you know, um, Butch is trying to put on a finishing move, trying to, trying to put it on a, uh, a nice uh, um, submission hold on uh, Joe Coffey. Marcus Coffey gets the ref attention, and then uh, it's uh, Wolfgang pulls Butch into a punch to the face. Now, Butch did get his revenge on the the dynamic duo on the outside, uh, Marcus and Wolfgang, with the <clears throat> eventually. But we got a moment in the match where I just laughed out loud. It was hilarious. What it was supposed to be, what it was, what it happened, was uh, um, Joe Coffey. He goes off. He does a, a springboard maneuver off the corner, ropes it to a, a high cross. It's supposed to be a high cross body press. But even if nothing was happening and just let the high cross just go in its natural conclusion, Joe Coffey would have landed far short of Butch. Far short, just landed on his face. But Butch, uh, you know, he's seen that happening and he just gave him a punch to the face while he's going down on the ground. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Anyways, like I say, um, after that, uh, Butch tries to get in a nice submission hole on Joe Coffey, and that's where uh, Marcus decided to make his move. He jumps on the apron there, calls over to referee. Referee, over here, quickly! I got something for you. It's from way from Scotland. So, Willie, do you have an extra shirt for me? Can I look like a bumblebee too? So they're having a conversation down there. Meanwhile, Wolfgang pulls down uh, Butch and punches him right in the face. A sucker punch. But like I say, of course, saying earlier, uh, um... Butch gets his revenge. You know, eventually gets revenge by uh, a nice, uh, I guess, uh, a backflip off the second rope outside the ring, crushing both. That's right. Uh, Wolfie and Marcus with the massive, uh, uh, it's like a mediocre moonsault, the double M, the mediocre moonsault by Pete Dunn. Or, did I say, Butch? Boonch. And then, of course, now, this is early on in the match. Um... The referee decides to eventually eject the two from the match. So it's now become a one-on-one. So I figured, yeah, thank goodness for that, because this is where the match starts picking up and becoming very good. Very, uh, you know, uh, competitive. Very competitive match. It was good. A competitive match. Now, Joe Coffey, he goes for his massive. They call it the the Glasgow send-off. But really, it's called the My Cousin Vinny. He jumps, oh, charges to the air like, whoo. 
I got you! With the double fists, you're just like uh, Danny DeVito as my cousin Vinny. It was hilarious. It will always be a hilarious thing to watch. Joe Coffey does that to the T. And then, of course, he gets uh, Butch with a massive. He does the uh, spinning uh, clothesline. The uh, the Natalia Bret Hart, they call it. The uh, the spinning, the discus lariat. Mm -hmm. So he gets that. And if uh, Joe Coffey was a giant man, it would end you easy. But this is a big man move. This is like a Bradshaw move. You know, Bradshaw can end you with that because he's a gigantic dude. And he can just knock your head right off. But if a smaller guy doing that, it just seems kind of weird. Just seems kind of weird. But anyways, these guys are about the same weight class, so it doesn't matter. But he doesn't get the pin. They take the fight outside. And this is where it goes all wrong for Joe Coffey because he does his best Otis impersonation. He goes uh, headfirst into the steel steps. He runs and charges, and he goes headfirst in there. Charge, Geronimo! Whammo! Just like that. The fight goes back inside the ring, the ring, where it becomes the bitter end, the, the bitter end, the, uh, the bitter end flatliner. It's basically a flatliner with this different setup. So basically, yeah, bitter end for Butch. Moving on to the uh, uh, No Mercy against... Noam Dar. Now, of course, uh, Noam Dar and the rest of Metaphor were, in fact, watching the uh, Heritage Cup, uh, Heritage uh, Global Heritage Invitational. This time, they're dressed up as, uh, what's that, the, uh, I guess, Oceans team or something like that. I don't know. It's ridiculous. Um, the only thing Metaphor has been doing, I thought Metaphor, the whole team would be, you know, they're more focused on dress up rather than trying to take over the NXT Hey, what kind of costumes do you think we should wear next week? Let's have some fun! You want to have some fun? How about uh, start a uh, improv group? You know? And uh, do something off the uh, wrestling, you know? If you want to be a, a good wrestling team, you guys, guys wrestle. The metaphor has been doing nothing. If Norm Dar is doing nothing, the rest of metaphor is doing nothing. It's, uh, it's sad because I figured Norm Dar could direct these uh, new uh, um, new stars into a right direction of how, you know, uh, improve themselves, grow. But regardless, enough of my bitching about the metaphor. They're not doing anything today, but watch, you know, as uh, their favorite, uh, you know, cosplaying people. Hey, who cares? Next up, we go. Now, this is hilarious. This is uh, the Tony Angelo and Channing Stacks Lorenzo, see? Now, these two, they're the tag team champions. They're not there today. But they have this, this so edited sketch. Um, this is a, it's it's a vignette type thing. It's a, this is so rehearsed. So I mean, it's funny because uh, they're they're trying to find new tag team partner, tag team opponents. So they have this the Tony D'Angelo's dinner set up, and then first team that comes in, it's the uh, Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. And they got the new the, the tattoos they got. You know they went all out. You know I mean. Ivar's got that huge ass tattoo across his uh, shoulder. I mean, it's like maybe three feet, a three foot tattoo across his shoulder. The same scars, except black and white, except uh, black art, you know. They got the realistic scars going on there. Started fresh by the wolves. The wolves had the, uh, they painted the scars on their shoulder. You know, I guess uh, that is a good look. Everybody wants that look now. Not that the wolves are around to use it anymore. Anyways, so this whole thing, is Angel Garza and uh, Humberto. And this whole skit there is, it's done so well, so well, it's so edited. Um, 
You can tell one thing for sure. No two tag teams were in there at the same time. So right now they have got the Angel family and then the uh, um, Angel and Humberto having a conversation there, but they're not, they're done two, two separate days. It's uh, wonderful of editing, the wonderful world of editing. Anyways, enough of that nonsense. At least we got to see the tag team champions in some, you know, respect, I suppose. It doesn't matter. Anyways, next match, it is a, a big one. It's uh, Trick Williams versus Joe Gacy of the schism. Mm -hmm. The schism again. No one wants to be with Joe Gacy except for maybe Avarain. I can only imagine Avarain's going to be Joe Gacy for a short mile of time longer before she realizes that, you know what? I'm better off doing nothing. Just like Harlan did and just like uh, uh, Rip Fuller and uh, Yager Reed. Uh, you know what? They just can't handle this guy anymore, you know? So it's either uh, Joe Gacy or nothing. I guess it's nothing then. So yeah, this match here. Is Joe, C Joe Gacy going to beat Trick Williams? I like, yeah, no, Joe Gacy, he's like from Four Roots and the schism, what is that? It's nonsense now, it's just a bunch of nonsense. Joe Gacy, he looks like a potato, you know. And uh, the match, it was, uh, um, how can I say, it was two minutes and 15 seconds. Yeah. At least when, you know, I may not like Joe Gacy personally, you know, or professionally. But when Joe Gacy, Joe Gacy's not an idiot, he knows how to put a match together. He knows how to put a match together. He's not hes not a terrible wrestler. He's not a terrible wrestler. He was competent in the ring. But, you know, just like everybody else, they don't believe in the Joe Gacy thing. And I, perhaps sooner or later, Joe Gacy will... <laughs> I'm just talking about Joe Gacy too much. So what happened in this match? It's really about Trick Williams. Trick Williams in this very short match. Mm -hmm. So what can he do? Why it's uh, the whole match was this. It was Trick Williams getting his ass handed to him by uh, Joe Gacy, just wearing him down. You know, Joe Gacy gets him to the corner, and uh, this is the end of the match here. End sequence here. It was a short match. End sequence here. Joe Gacy squashing uh, Trick Williams on the corner. You know, just give him a good old splashy poo. And then Joe Gacy decides hey, it's time to set up my finisher. So he goes for the upside down, which is a hands, you know, he does a handstand against the ropes and he goes, he ends up with a clothesline pretty much, you know. So he goes for this upside down, he goes for his clothesline, you know, he does his handstand, he charges towards Trick Williams, while Trick Williams gets, I, I, I think, I think what it was supposed to be was a flying knee. I think that's what it was supposed to be. But what Trick Williams ended up doing was jumping into Joe Gacy. So he just jumped into him. I'm I'm not sure what hit. Uh, he looks like his torso, the Trick Williams hit uh, Joe Gacy with his torso. It was just a nonsense thing. It, was, it happened fast. He just jumped up. Oh, they collided. When you look at it, it's like, what happened? What really happened? And he didn't happen, that's for sure. But Joe Gacy lies down like a good boy and loses. Yep. And uh, after the match, it's, uh, we got ourselves a little bit of the uh, Kelly Kincaid with their only appearance here. Talking about, so you won a match, how do you feel? How do you feel not that you won a match? I'm going to Disneyland! He didn't say that, because no one goes to Disneyland these days. Um, so anyways, it's, uh, she asks, it's basically, she asks her question, it's like, so what's your opinion on uh, your best friend Carmelo Hayes? You think he has a chance against Dragunov? And Trick Williams like, yeah, what, what? What are you talking about that for? I thought you were in here to talk about what I just did in a ring there with the Jogue. You know? 
He didn't say that at all. He, but he did say, why don't you talk about my match against Joe Gacy? You know, it was a great victory against him. A great victory. He didn't really say that either. But he did really say about the match. Why don't you talk about my match? But now that you want to know my, my opinion about, uh, you know, uh, Carmelo Hayes and, uh, you know, uh, Dragunov, you know, it's like, you'll be a fool to bet against him. And when I say him, I mean my best friend, Carmelo Hayes, the champion. Okay, next up, we go backstage, and it's with a little bit of the uh, Mackenzie Mitchell with Blair Davenport. And uh, Blair talking about Gigi Dolan. It's like, you attacked me, and you didn't get the job done. It's like, well, you're not as vindictive or vicious as me. Now, it's funny, too, because she's upset about, uh, you know, uh, being attacked. But she just completely forgets that she started the whole thing. She started the whole thing. I just think the only problem is uh, um, Gigi just, uh, she should have attacked on a bigger scale. But anyways, now uh, the whole thing's like, you know, watch me in the future because I'll be showing you something. I'll be, I'll be uh, showing up and you better see what I got to say. Something like that, I don't know. So anyways, after that, we got ourselves a little bit of the Andre Chase and Duke Hudson worried about uh, Thea Hale. What's going on with Thea Hale? You know? So it's JC Jane introducing the new look, Thea Hale, the outside the ring look, which is uh, Thea just loves the black. She's going with the black, black leather. Black leather! Because she's a bad girl and bad girls wear black leather! Mm -hmm. So she's out there and uh, I guess uh, Chase is like, oh, you, you, you look great. You look great. Not quite like that. Not like Damien Priest. Anyways. So, yeah, it's like, you think that's great. You should check out her in-ring gear. No longer do you, baby. No you in her gear anymore. So, yeah, I guess the hill is dropping out of Chase U. She's just a big old dropout out of this fake university. Okay, so next up, we got ourselves a match. It is the Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin, the, uh, the Viking's funeral, the burning ship. That's how this Viking funeral, you know, that's how they do it. So, yeah, his career is uh, in the NXT right now, and he's fighting part of them denim boys, Josh Briggs. And with Josh Briggs is Brooks Jensen and Fallon Henley. And are they going to help Josh Briggs at all? No, because they're good guys. The good guys don't do anything like that. So this match here was almost, um, well, it was about three minutes. It was about three minutes. Um, and... Now, Baron Corbin, he's got this big thing coming up with, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, uh, Braun Breaker. Braun Breaker. So you can't have Braun, uh, you can't Baron Corbin losing. So this match here was a Baron Corbin match. You know, Josh Briggs did his best, did his best work. Oh, it was terrible. Josh Briggs got a, at least got a big bootin'. Got one big bootin'. You know, Josh Briggs, I mean, uh, he just comes in in the street clothes straight up. He just looks like he's a, a carpenter as a trade worker. You know, oh, I'm a carpenter, you know, and I'm just, I'm going to go to work, wrestle now. I'm just go to wrestling now and you need gear. Nope, I'm just going to wear my carpentry um, clothes, like work boots, uh, jeans, and, uh, you know, a denim vest. Them denim boys. Have I ever called them denim boys before? I think I did. Okay. So, yeah, it gets hilarious because at, at a certain point at the end of the match, it's, uh, I guess, Josh Briggs has got uh, Baron Corbin at the corner. He's got a, 
like he's coming in for the kill, I suppose. And then uh, Baron Corbin pulls in the ref. You know, referee, like, he starts turtling up on uh, Baron Corbin's belly. And then Baron Corbin turns around and anyways, winds up and punches uh, Josh Briggs in the face. I guess the referee didn't see that shot. Even though if he did, it wouldn't matter. Not, not illegal. But anyways, referee could have ended the match disqualifying Baron Corbin by touching him. Hey, you can't touch referee. That's a disqualification. You're disqualified. You're out of order. But nope. After that, it's... Uh, Baron Corbin does one fantastic move. It's called the... Uh, um, the floppity marionette. The floppity marionette. Where he goes off the second ropes and oh, he launches himself all floppity in the air and, and towards uh, Josh Briggs. Josh Briggs lands on the ground. Then it's a finished. It is the uh, the end of days. The flatliner. End of days flatliner. That's just right. Two flatliners today. You know. But it is spells defeat for Mr. Josh Briggs. And after that, it's Baron Corbin calls out uh, Braun Breaker. Because they got the big old match coming up at uh, No Mercy. No Mercy. Where Braun Breaker will have No Mercy on Baron Corbon. And that will be the official Viking funeral. So he comes out there and they start fighting. They start fighting. The officials come in and break it up. And then that's that with that. That's that with that. And after we see that, you know, the, the old, they're just hyping up their match, Braun Breaker and, uh, you know, Baron Corbon. So after that, we got ourselves a Trick Williams. He's just, he's fresh off his victory. Off a of Jogue, AC. And he goes to... Shawn Michaels' office. <laughs> so, yeah, he got some ideas. He got some plans for himself. Moving on. We go into the ring with a, a tag team match. And unlike your traditional tag team matches in the NXT, this one was rubbish. Tag ropes? Doesn't matter. Does ref matter? To care if they use tag ropes or not? Doesn't care. Doesn't care. Doesn't give two poops. Now, who was in this... Uh, uh, I guess a garbage fire, dumpster fire of a tag match. Why, it was uh, the team of Hank Walker and Tank Ledger. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Hank and Tank. Versus the team of Bronco Nima and Lucian Prince. And uh, they are brought to the ring by their spokesperson, for some reason, is uh, uh, Reginald Scripps. Reginald Scripps. You know, it's like, why? Why do you guys need Scripps in your team for? I mean, really. It makes no sense at all. Bronconema and uh, Lucian, they're two gigantic dudes. They are some, they are, yeah, they're uh, um, giants for sure. They can handle themselves. And I think, uh, I don't know, I don't think, I think they can do them on their own. You know, they just need some good, uh, you know, bookings and some good writing team and they get them forward there. You know? But anyways, this match was uh, su not surprising. This match was under three minutes. Under three minutes, tag ropes, like I say, didn't matter. You know, um, I guess Hank and Tank had a couple of good uh, workings together, some uh, good uh, teamwork. Like, like I say, when Lucian Prince is in there, or, uh, you know, uh, what's that, uh, Bronco, they just, they just look so huge. I mean, Tank and Hank, they're big guys, but compared to these guys, whew, they look, they look like cruiserweights. It's true. It's crazy. Uh, Hank Walker gets, uh, I believe, Lucian with a massive uh, pump kick to the face. Now, it gets all funny at the end part there. I guess uh, um, Lucian and, uh, you know, uh, Bronco need some help. 
because it's Tank Ledger. He has the Lucian Prince up there with a, for a nice power slam. I guess he's going to do a combo move with the Hank Walker when, uh, you know, um, Reginald Scripps. Reginald Scripps comes up there onto the ring apron there and gets uh, Hank's attention. He goes down there to deal with that. The referees make sure that he's got their, uh, his attention is uh, taken with uh, Hank and uh, Scripps. You know, and then that's when uh, the double team happens. Instead of Hank and Tank double teaming, it's, uh, you know, uh, Lucian Price, Price with the big super kick to the face of uh, Hank Walker. After that, um, I believe it's Lucian, Lucian Price pushes. I think I'm getting all names all mixed up here. But anyway, Bronco Nimir with a big kick onto uh, um, Hank. Lucian Prince, uh, Price then pushes Hank into uh, Tank into Hank. Hank falls off the ring there and then becomes a big finishing move, which is nonsense. The finishing move of, uh, they're called themselves the, uh, what, the out, um, out the mud, out the mud. So OTM is Bronco Nimi and Lucian Prince. That's what they call themselves. And I believe their finishing move is called uh, um, mud butt. The mud butt. That's right, I... Pfft. Don't ask me why they called it that, but the mud butt is it. It's so dumb. Um, it's a, in a, it's an assisted Alabama slam. So I, so Lucian uh, Price picks up Tank um, Tank Walker, Tank Ledger, I should say, picks up Tank Ledger, and then it's uh, Bronco Nima intercepts him and then uh, gives him the old uh, Alabama slam. It is nonsense. I mean, you don't need two people to do that. I mean, they might just have two people on either side of his leg and just slam him down. A double, it's whatever. They're still new. They're trying to think what's cool, and they have a really bad influence there. It's uh, Reginald Scripps giving them some advice, you know? Hey, I was in the Cirque. I can do acrobats, and you can do wrestling too with acrobats. I don't know. It's nonsense. Anyways, after that, we cut ourselves a glimpse of the most sexiest woman in all of NXT. It's a Gigi Dolan doing some working out, some back work oh, with a rubber band. And then the lights go out and she gets knocked on the head because she gets uh, beaten up by a little bit of uh, the Blared Davenport. That's right. You don't attack me. No one attacks me. So, yep. Uh, Gigi, I guess she can't fight tonight because she's injured. Okay, so now... We go back to the skit, the, uh, the skit with, uh, you know, Tony D'Angelo in his dinner party. And he's already has, uh, you know, he's Tony Stax Lorenzo's there and uh, Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza is still there. And then we got ourselves our next tag team joins him. It is uh, the Creed Brothers. Brutus and Julius Creed. Now this is where it gets even better. The, uh, the editing is just top notch because you know these three teams, they're not, they're not in the same room at the same time. This one here, every team, yeah, it is just nicely edited together. This is a professional job. You know, you can't see a single camera, even though there's dozens of camera angles. Dozens of camera angles. You know, you can't see a single one. Yeah, it is a master filmmaking right here. This is filmmaking at its best. And they're basically just trying to find uh, Tony D'Angelo and uh, Channing Stax Lawrence are trying to find their next opponent. It's been a long time since these two has had a, um, you know, you know, a title defense. 
Anyways, moving on next, we go backstage, and it's, uh, we got ourselves, it's supposed to be a triple threat match for the, uh, I guess, uh, number one contendership for the North American Championship from Dominic Mysterio, and this is where uh, we go backstage and find that, uh, you know, Axiom has talked to Tyler Bate about that very uh, fight that they're both looking forward to moving on and having this opportunity. And then it's Trick Williams, he's got some news. He got himself in. He wedged himself into this match, too. No, no, no. Not just it's a three triple threat match. It's become a fatal four-way match. And he figured he should let everybody know what's going to happen. At least two of the three. Two of the three will know. Mm-hmm. So Trick Williams going to have two. A two-for night. Two matches in one night. Mm-hmm. So after that, we got ourselves a little bit of uh, a one-on-one match. This is uh, Baron Corbin... And, uh, no, actually, it's, uh, Eddie Thorpe versus Dijak in a strap match. Now with, uh, Eddie Thorpe, he brought his family, Le Family, you know? So he brought his, I think, his daughter, his mama, his uh, brother or something. I don't know. He got a family there. And they, they all get strapped up. And this match here was, uh, a lot of fun. Because it wasn't really a wrestling match. It was just a, a strap match. So they fight outside there. Right now, of course, they have to have that where uh, you're taken in front of your family and whipped like a dog in front of your family. You're like, no, why? <laughs> and his daughters are crying. No, you sucky poo. Yeah, it had his big moment out there. Only to make, you got to have this torturous moment. Only to make the, the victory seem so, Mwah! chef's kiss. So they take the match back into the ring there. Dijak thinks he's got this uh, match in the bag and he takes off his very belt, the belt. Um, Dijak's belt he wore that day, surprisingly, was the same belt he used to whip ah, the tree. It was uh, Eddie Thorpe's favorite tree. He stripped like a, a tiny piece of bark off that tree with his belt. Oh, that tree. He, I think that tree's got PTSD. Oh, don't like a tree with PTSD, baby. Anyway, so he gets a belt, he wraps it on his fist. Like last time, he used that the belt and punched, uh, you know, Eddie Thorpe in the face to win the match. This time, he does tries to do the same thing, but this time, Eddie Thorpe is just much faster somehow. Eddie Thorpe turns things around by using that uh, strap as a whip, just like uh, Dijak did, and start whipping Dijak like a dog, like a government mule, like a government mule. So yeah. So he turns things around, and then uh, Dijak is down there for the count, really, and then... Uh, Dijak drops his belt. Eddie Thorpe picks up the Dijak white belt and punches Dijak right in the face. Here you go, buddy. For you. For you. Punches him in the face and then finishes it off by going to the second rope, the very second E rope. I'm thinking, you know, there's nothing wrong with going off the second rope as long as you get as much height as you can. And this is what happened. Eddie Thorpe goes on the second rope and jumps as high as he can. He got some uh, good height. You know, to do his uh, the running man elbow drop. He does a running man elbow. Oh, ah, he does a running man elbow in here. He does a run in here. It looks hilarious. It looks like the Wiley Coyote falling off a cliff. You know? So he does the elbow drop, and that's it. It's it. One, two, three. Over. Then uh, after the match, the celebration happens, and that's where Dijak gets his uh, moral victory. He does not only, he rips uh, Eddie Thorpe off the top rope, gives him the old uh, go to sleep, the Dijak one. And then he uh, puts him on the other side of the, uh, you know, the corner post. 
the uh, the ropes there and kicks him in the face, hangs Eddie Thorpe from the top rope, and then uses him as a whipping post where he whips him good in front of his family. Whips him real good. So yeah, this feud is not over. Will it end in a steel cage match? Probably some sort of last man standing match. It's not over between uh, Dijak and Eddie Thorpe. The rubber match will continue. Uh, is it exciting? I know. I don't know. Uh, but it's it's happening. At least it's uh, they're, they're, they're keeping occupado. Next up, we got ourselves The Message. That's right. We've been all been waiting for, apparently. It's Blair Davenport going down to the ring area and giving Gigi Dolan, oh, a warning. You know, there can only be one sexy woman. You can't be it. I don't know. She didn't really say that. But she's upset with her because I guess no one is hardcore as Blair Davenport. She's looking to, next time it's over. Next up, we go uh, to our next match. It is, uh, what is that? Uh, um, Danny Palmer versus uh, Thea Hale. The new look, Thea Hale. Yes, Thea Hale, she's going with, uh, she still looks great, Thea Hale. Her, uh, she has great ring gear. Um, she's using more, obviously, she's doing black leather or black, uh, you know, uh, you know, neoprene. Neoprene or leather, whatever. It's black and it's, uh, she looks She looks good in it. You know, she's, like, I guess she's going for the more adult look. I'm not sure what, uh, because Thea Hale's uh, Chase U ring gear didn't make her look like a kid. She looked great in there. But anyways... Thea Hale versus Danny Palmer. This match here was uh, um, was tough. It was tough to say the least. It was just over two minutes. Two minutes and 20 seconds, roughly. Two minutes and 20 seconds of uh, Danny... Uh, we had a move here. Um, it was a lot of uh, chain wrestling. Shaw chain wrestling. Not a beginning-style wrestling, you know. And we got this one weird thing. Danny Palmer, she's a... I guess she's a gymnast. So she has this move where she does this... I'm not sure. Dakota Kai would call this a uh, scorpion kick. But she does this, uh, she literally does a handstand in front of uh, um, Thea Hale. I guess she's supposed to do a, a, hand, a handstand a mule kick. I'm not sure, but it looked dumb. It looked, it, it looked bad, it looked bad. I'm not sure what it was supposed to be done, but uh, it's supposed to be some sort of athletic move that just did not hit the spot. Good intentions, at least. And then came the big move, Danny Palmer, her big move. Beautiful move. I believe it's a Phoenix Splash off the top rope. This is a great finisher. But however, she hit nothing. She rolled through it, you know. And then uh, Thea Hale, her one offensive move, she jumps on to, uh, latches herself onto Danny Palmer and pulls her down with the Kimura, the Kimura arm lock. And one, and then uh, tap, tap, tap later, it's over. Thea Hale with a big victory watching on. It's what's left of uh, Chase U. I think they're pretty much giving up on Chase U. Uh, they're pretty much doing not much. Mm -hmm. So I think they've lost Thea Hale for good. She's leaving, she's leaving on a train to JC Jane land. She wants to be a woman, girl. You'll be a woman now. Anyways, next up we go backstage behind in the locker room area. Trick Williams got some good news about, uh, you know, getting himself into a fatal four-way match. 
but it's uh, Carmelo Hayes. He's too busy. He's really busy. He's got things to do, people to text. So yeah, I guess Carmelo Hayes is not truly appreciating, you know, uh, Trick Williams' uh, accomplishments. But who knows? Next up, we go backstage there. It's uh, Baron Corbin deciding to, to uh, hit the bricks early. And then that's when it's the attack. It's, uh, you know, Braun Breaker and Baron Corbin. They're just building up their big old fight at the, uh, you know, uh, No Mercy. Officials there instantly to break them up. And we move on. We move on to the ring to the uh, a fatal four-way match for the number one contendership to the North American title at No Mercy versus the man himself, Dirty Dominic Mysterio. Now this one here is Dragon Lee getting another chance at North American, North American title. Then it's uh, Dragon Lee versus Tyler Bate. Tyler Bate and the versus uh, Trick Williams and Trick Williams versus Axiom. Now this match was uh, 11 minutes long. It's a lot of fun. This was truly was a wrestling stunt show, a stunt show, wrestling stunt show. You know, uh, we had, uh, you know, Tyler Bate with a massive uh, high cross, uh, like a slingshot high cross over the top rope. Uh, you know, hitting Trick Williams out there. Beautiful, beautiful tope uh, high cross. Then we got some funny things where they all start trying to get a finisher on each other. So it's uh, Dragon Lee. He's got this uh, Boston Crab put on. And then it's, uh, you know, Tyler Bate trying to put on the old uh, arm lock. And then it's Axiom. He jumps on the back of uh, Trick Williams for, uh, a, a, you know, a rear naked choke. It's hilarious. But then here we go. We got a problem in this match here. Axiom. Axiom goes for a uh, half and half. You know, a suplex. You know, I'm not sure what happened. Axiom, he goes down. He crouches down. He crouches down and pulls backwards. There's no backup. There's no up and down. He just he goes down and pulls back. I'm like, what is that? I mean, Axiom, come on now. And what happened with this? Um, Tyler Bate, he goes flying backwards. He doesn't, he can't pop his hips. There's no popping their hips there. Tyler Bate does his best, but he lands high on his head, high on his shoulders and uh, his head. And this could literally be, uh, this could be bad. Whiplash, this could be, uh, this could be bad. This could be a serious injury here. And this is because of uh, Axiom and his lazy wrestling move. What the hell was that? You got to think through these moves. You just can't rush these damn moves. This, of course, you really want to hurt your opponent. Really, Axiom? Really. Anyways, Tyler Bate, he's okay. He pulls through. At least uh, his adrenaline pulls through. So then he gets uh, his tandem move. He gets, uh, you know, Dragon Lee on his shoulders for an airplane spin. And he gets uh, Axiom for a uh, seismic toss. The giant swing. It was hilarious. So he's, he throws him all around. He sees, after all, he's big, strong boy. Tyler Bate, big, strong boy. So he had to prove it. But it gets crazy. Um, it's uh, Axiom doing all the big moves. Whether it hits or misses. He's going all around the world. They call it the uh, the Canadian Driver. No longer the Destroyer. The Canadian Driver is the uh, you know the somersault uh, pile driver. That and then the Spanish Fly off the top rope. Axiom visiting a lot of parts of the world with his moves. Now the end sequence was very very silly, very silly at all, totally. Now after that, um, Dragon Lee, he manages to get sliced bread 
onto Axiom. Just crushes him down there. Uh, Trick Williams pulls off the uh, you know Dragon Lee from the pin. Dragon Lee, uh, this is where I like to call the sequence called where heads meet, where heads meet, which is a ridiculous thing. So Axiom decides to thrust his head into Trick Williams' head, and apparently Trick Williams got one hard head. He gets hit in the head, and that's where uh, the heads start clotting, blumping together. That's one head hit. Um, I guess Ax uh, Dragon Lee, he gets knocked unconscious. He just drops outside the ring there. Trick Williams, he gets knocked backwards for a loop. And then, lo and behold, it's uh, Tyler Bate behind Trick Williams. And then their heads collide. Um, Tyler Bate falls off the apron. And then Trick Williams falls flat on top of, uh, you know, Axiom. That's true. So yeah, treating Axiom like like a kid or something like that. <laughs> it's uh, Trick Williams with a big victory. Mm -hmm. So yeah, moving on to fight Dominic Mysterio is uh, Trick Williams. So it's gonna be interesting. Will Trick win? I don't know. It's possibly. I think Trick could possibly win after all. Dominic Mysterio. There are some huge storylines that can go if he doesn't have the melt. Dominic Mysterio is still young. He can. Regardless, I'm not sure who's gonna win that. They both have potential. Dominic Mysterio. He's right now, he's a pretty good champion. I, I'd say he's pretty good. His last match was a clean win, which was surprising against Dragon Lee. So after that, that was the last match of the night, but now we just have some uh, some filler stuff. You know, we got ourselves Tony D'Angelo's, uh, you know, uh, next level production and editing uh, dinner party. And finally, we got ourselves a little bit of, uh, you know, with, of course, Tony D'Angelo and Stax Lorenzo. We got uh, Angel uh, Garza, Humberto Carrillo, and uh, Brutus and Julius Creed, the Creed brothers there. And then we got ourselves Bronco Nima and Lucian Price joining the little dinner party with uh, Reginald Scripps at their side. <laughs> it is hilarious because you totally know, totally can tell that they, they recorded their parts all separately and masterfully they edited everything together. So it looks like they're, they could possibly be in the same room together, but they're not. So it was a... Movie, it's movie magic. This is this whole segment was movie magic. That's basically it, you know. But what transpired from this is going to be a fatal four-way. That's right. So, uh, you know, I guess a full belly makes you think kind of weird, think you can take on the world. So I guess the, the Angel family will be taking on three teams, the entire tag division. <laughs> Except for, of course, the Gallus boys. They're not part of that one. Next up, we got ourselves backstage. It's with Mackenzie Mitchell with Dominic Mysterio. And now that uh, he knows he's going to have to be uh, fighting Trick, he's going to say, well, you know, I'd say just one thing. He's just going to have to whoop that Trick. Because that's funny because everybody's saying every time Trick Williams is fighting, he has to whoop that Trick. Whoop that Trick. Why do people want Trick Williams' ass to get whooped? It's ridiculous. So Dominic Mysterio is going to do what everybody wants. That Trick Williams ass get whooped. Whoop that trick. That's what Dominic Mysterio is going to do. And he says, just like, I'm going to whoop that trick just like I whooped uh, Dragon Lee's ass. <laughs> he was <laughs> Dominic Mysterio. He's, uh, he's getting so comfortable. Confident. Um, there's nothing but good things in Dominic Mysterio's uh, future. Nothing. Uh, yeah. He's, uh, he's uh, looking good. Looking sharp. Anyways. 
after that, Dragon Lee hears like, "What? You can whoop my, you whoop my ass? That's it!" He gets so angry. Dragon Lee attacks uh, Dominic Mysterio. Can you believe it? I think he wants part of this uh, whole, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, no mercy thing. You know, if you think it's going to be a triple triple threat and no mercy, I don't think Dominic Mysterio will do that. And then we go backstage. It's uh, Trick Williams and uh, Carmelo Hayes meeting up there. And, you know, Carmelo's got this thing. He's got his contract signing to do. And Trick is like, uh, I guess there's a lot of could-do's. Congratulations. But, uh, you know, hey, we can both be champions. Walk, we can both be walking out of No Mercy as champions. The Trick Melo game is strong. For now. And then we go into the ring with the old contract signing, Carmelo Hayes, uh, Ilya Dragunov, you know. Um, Dragunov, with, uh, I guess, the best he can do. He's like basically saying, you're the wrong man for that championship. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Is it what I think you're trying to say? He's not white enough for the championship? Shame on you, Dragunov. Shame on you. And maybe me for assuming that. He said that. But anyways, he did say, you know, you're not the right, you're the wrong man for that championship. But you know what? It's uh, not really about that. Um, and the whole thing is like, who really won that great American bash because of Dragunov jumping into the belt? Bang! You know, that Trick Williams is carrying. Anyways, uh, Carmelo is like, you know what? Um, he says the facts here. You know what? Uh, Dragunov, you are in fact good enough to become the NXT championship champion but however you're not better than me you're not better than I am so you're not going to become the belt champion over me so it's a lot of good stuff there a lot of fun stuff there um, they end up going face to face so it's going to be big but we find out something else too before this is over not just the fact that these guys are going to go out at uh, um, what's that uh, no mercy but also the match between Dominic Mysterio and uh, Trick Williams Trick Williams will have a special guest referee and that will be Dragon Lee Dragon Lee will be the special guest referee here so I'm thinking could possibly do this now Dragon Lee could be uh, could be a crooked referee maybe ensure that Dominic Mysterio wins it so then Dragon Lee can say that, oh, yes, I wanted you to win so I can beat you to, to get this belt. You know, screwing over Trick Williams because his uh, personal ego. But anyways, yeah, Dragon, um, Dragonoff and uh, Camilo Hayes, that is going to be one hell of a match, you know. But I think just like the results of uh, the uh, feud between uh, Dragonoff and, uh, at, his, at the time, Walter, now named, now Gunther, um, eventually... Dragunov beat Walter to become the NXT UK champion. I think the possibility of a, a belt change is very good. Dragunov most likely will become the next NXT champion. I don't like it, but it is a possibility and it's really good. But anyways, that does wrap it up for this week's episode of the NXT. But uh, for our podcast listeners uh, stay tuned for a smackdown we'll be right after this break but for our youtube um audience this is it for today's show join us again another time on the wrestling show i've been your host lip hazelwood again see you another time this just in it's time for all the wrestling show! So, here we go! And a one, and a two, 
and a one, two, three. Rip really loves wrestling. He likes to talk about it too. If you like to watch wrestling like he do, come and join us on the wrestling show. Well, well, welcome to the Wrestling Show. I'm your most fickle host, Lip Hazlywood, and this is a very cynical look back at the latest episode of uh, Representing the WWE and live from the Golden One Center in Sacramento, California. It's Friday Night Smackdown. Ear date, September the 29th, 2023. This episode is, of course, the road to uh, Fastlane. Coming on fast. Coming fast. Now, before we get started into the show, just a quick shout out to the non-competitors. That's right. They are the glue that holds things together. First and foremost, representing the, uh, um, I guess, uh, the authority figure, it's Adam Pierce. And then getting all the pre-match interviews and all the backstage scoops, they are the team of uh, Kathy Kelly and Kayla Braxton. And then, of course, heading into the ring, letting everybody know who's about to fight and results in such matches, it's Mike Rome. And lastly, but mostly importantly, it's the commentary crew, the play-by-play guys, the hosts, and I even call them the narrators of the whole damn show. Letting everybody know exactly what's going on behind the scenes as well. Regardless, it is a three-man team. First, he is the, um, I would say, the man with the impeccable style. The incredibly handsome, I've got him not afraid to admit that, it's Corey Graves. And should I say he's also very reliable? Anyways, backing up Corey Graves is, he refers to him as, uh, Corey refers to him as uh, KP. But we all know him as uh, the very, the very enthusiastic Kevin Patrick. And backing them both. It's, of course, the longtime veteran of over 25 years. It's uh, Michael Cole. Now, without any further kadoos, let's get started with the, the show. So now, we kick the thing off with, uh, I guess, some notification with uh, who's not at SmackDown today. When I say that, it's uh, basically the champions who's just not there. Mm-hmm. First, it's uh, um, the Tag Team Champions, Judgment Day, uh, of, uh, you know, two of them are SmackDown Champions, it's uh, Finn Balor and, uh, you know, Damian Priest, not just, they're not just not there, the entirety of uh, Judgment Day is not there, mm-hmm. so not just that, but um, also, Roman Reigns, the World Champion, is not there, the, the uh, you know, Universal Champ. Not there again. Again not there. Mm-hmm. Of course, he has to be advertised, and now he has to be advertised one way ahead of time, because damn, you know, he's got this hamster that's got this bum eye that if he doesn't keep a close eye on his hamster, no pun intended, his hamster might go blind. In Roman Reigns, he's uh, he spent many a months with his that hamster, and he wants that hamster to live his full life for a couple more months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, a lot of heartache for uh, Roman Reigns. I don't know Roman Reigns. Well, he's just not there again, 
again, the greatest, I always say he's the greatest absentee champion of all time, but representing the bloodline, it's Paul Heyman, Solo Sokoa, and uh, I guess you can say the uh, the honorary Uso, I don't know, it's uh, Jimmy Uso, you know. Now, the whole thing, it's, uh, you know, Paul, he goes in there and uh, he starts talking. He what? He's saluting Roman Reigns for some reason. I salute you, Roman Reigns, for staying relevant so long and not even coming to work. Not even coming to work. You know, how can anybody do that? Have such disregard for the for the company that uh, made him huge, made him a star. You know, I don't know. He didn't say any of that, but it's ridiculous. Anyway, so it's all about uh, John Cena. You know, he's going to get his at Smack. Well, anyway, it's all about uh, Jimmy, Os Jimmy Uso, you know. Um, so, it, the thing is with uh, Paul Heyman and uh, Jimmy Uso. No, Jimmy, I don't know. Because of Roman Reigns is not there, and I'm not sure exactly the, uh, the what's it, the, the relationship now is with Jimmy and Paul Heyman and Soul Sokoa. You know, uh, is he officially in the bloodline or not? Who knows? Who knows? This is uh, Jimmy's storyline. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's happening. It's happening. So basically, he's uh, he's now taking over. He's now, you know, he's taking the mic off Paul and Not the first time, second time. Yes, he pulls his hand off for Paul Heyman to grab take the mic, and he just grabs the mic anyways. You know, uh, Roman Reigns is just not around to do anything about anything. You know, uh, Solus Cole won't do anything because I, I don't know. It's just, it's just weird. It's weird. I'm pretty sure this is building up to something, you know. Uh, um, but anyways, it's then it's uh, Jimmy Uso laying down what's the facts, I suppose. The facts, Jimmy Uso sees it. Jimmy! And he says, Jimmy! Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! You know, it's... So Jimmy was saying Jimmy a lot. At least that's how I heard it. I'm like, why are you saying Jimmy a lot? Or is this what I'm just wanting to hear? Actually, he was just talking about uh, John Cena, <laughs> and uh, anyone who uh, who tags with John Cena will be, uh, I guess, will be taken care of, so to speak. You know, just like AJ Styles. So, uh, I would say uh, his name is uh, Jimmy Jimmy because I guess Jim uh, Ujimi Uso. He really wants to be the head of the table, so I guess. Uh, He's now called Jimmy Tables. Sneaker Tables? I don't know. It's ridiculous. But it's good to see that uh, Jimmy Uso, ready for wrestling, ready for a match, though. You know, he's got uh, his wrestling gear on, his sneakers, his uh, tight pants, and a cutoff. Mm -hmm. He's all ready to wrestle. He can. He's ready at a drop of a hat, and thank goodness, too. So while he's in there, my goodness, we got a little bit, a little bit of a company. Somebody comes in there rushing in, rushing in, and that's Carl Anderson. Finally, Carl Anderson decides to do something. Where's uh, Luke Gallows watching his back? Who knows? Probably uh, waiting in line in Impact Wrestling. Oh, where do I sign up? Hmm, I'm a champion here. So Carl Anderson's nowhere. Uh, or should I say, uh, you know, Luke Gallows nowhere to be seen. Carl Anderson comes in and takes care of, he starts doing some, a beat down on the solo, so he gets rid of solo, starts beating down some Jimmy Uso, Jimmy! Jimmy's like, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy! That's right. And then we got a moment here, 
become a, a decision now. Of course, uh, Carl Carl Anderson's very upset. He's like, now that you injured AJ Styles, it's now personal. It's like, where were you when uh, AJ Styles wanted your help? He needed your help before he was injured. He asked for your help. Because that's what you're supposed to do as wrestlers. You know, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. You know? So it's ridiculous. Now, after the fact that, um, I guess, AJ Styles is injured, he comes in to help the best he can. And uh, how much can Carl Anderson do by himself? Not a whole lot, because I had to. He's after match started. It's uh, Jimmy Uso versus Carl Anderson. Now, it, it's all this. The ish match was uh, issued. The challenge was issued. And Soul's like, I guess, gives an ultimatum to Jimmy. He's like, you know, uh, I'll, don't, you, you do it. Or otherwise, I'll handle your business. Otherwise, I'll handle your business. Something like that. So now it's the match. The match was about uh, roughly maybe 10 minutes long. Roughly 10 minutes long. You know? Um, this was uh, a very good match. It was a very good match. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, a lot of back... No, actually, it's a lot of... Uh, basically, Carl Anderson just ruling the match. Just throwing around... Uh, Jimmy! From uh, corner to corner to corner. Post to pillar to post, so to speak. You know? Also... Carl Anderson's big move, the Haya! Haya kick! The Haya! It's hilarious. I laugh out loud every time I hear him say, Haya! <laughs> and uh, he just can't get any height. He like gets lift up to. <laughs> he gets, uh, you know, he uses uh, the top rope as a lever and he uh, bounces up off these springboards off the bottom. It is so hilariously uh, untalented move. You just laugh every time you see it. It's like, wow. Anybody can do that move, even me. <laughs> okay, enough of that. Enough of that. Bashing of the Carl Anderson. Now, here's where it gets hilarious. The end of the match. Now, Carl Anderson picks up Jimmy Uso onto the top rope, top of the uh, ropes there, the corner. Climbs up there to do some move. You know, maybe a, a throw off the top. And then Sol Escoa, he decides to walk closer to the ring. And the referee's like, oh, I see something that's happening here. No! So ridiculous. So the referee completely turns his back on the ring of the Carl Anderson and the, you know, Jimmy! Just to just to give uh, Sol Sokoa the look. That's it. Don't even come any closer. Sol did nothing. Did nothing. Just walked a couple of steps. And then uh, that was the end for uh, Carl Anderson. He gets polka, the pokeroo in the eye. Just like that. You heard that sound when you got poked in the eye. You know? Um, and then after that, it's uh, it's lights out for uh, Carl Anderson with the one big old super kick to the face, and then one old Uso, a flying Uso in the air. It's Jimmy time, Jimmy Dre. He jumps off the ropes and yelled his name for some reason. Crushes, you know, Carl Anderson. And it's over for Carl. But after the match, however, it's not over for Carl Anderson for the day because. I guess the attack goes on, ending up with the uh, Solzakoa smashing him in the shoulder really hard with his with his hand. It was supposed to be the Spikoa. <laughs> I slowed it down a bit, and you can see he never comes close to the throat. You know, you gotta wrestle safe. You don't want anybody injured with a throat thumb to the throat legitimately. You know, oh, where are they? MMA fighters? Even that would be illegal in MMA. I think you would have to jam your throat in someone's th jam your thumb in someone's throat. Hoppa! That's legal, right? <laughs> Mind if I poke you in the eye, too? <laughs> Anyways, Carl Anderson goes down in a heap with the Spike Goa. 
And after that, um, this is where it gets hilarious. Now, this is uh, the uh, bloodline, I guess. It's called bloodline, whatever. Uh, uh, they're leaving the ring area. And at the uh, the ring entrance area, we got herself uh, Mi Chin. Mi Chin. Mi Chin is on fire. It's uh, Mia Yim. She comes to the ring. She comes towards the ring. She wants to help out some uh, of her brother, uh, Carl Anderson. After all, he was just uh, laid out flat in a ring there. And there, there's no Carl, no, uh, what's that, Luke Gallows anywhere to be seen. So, you know, it's all up to her. So now she's going into the ring there, but it's Jimmy getting all in her face. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. You know? And then uh, Mia Yim couldn't take it anymore, so she did the old, uh, Mi Chin! You Chin! And she slapped him right in the face real hard. So hard, I mean, his ego just, pooh, it just exploded after that. How dare you? Now, here's the thing. The quote-unquote bloodline, they do not have any women in their roster right now. No women. So, I'm pretty sure they're going to want some uh, somewhat revenge on uh, Mi Chin. But who, who would take on Mi Chin? Why, there's only one woman that's in the bloodline that can fight for the bloodline, really. The only person that uh, is there, it's, she used to be called Ava Rain, but she's now Ava. That's right. It's the Rock's daughter, baby. So yeah, I guess Ava Rain, this is the perfect time for Ava Rain to do the jump to the main roster. And she can have a perfect match against uh, Michin, who's been doing absolutely nothing for months. Four months. You know, Michin's a great talent in there. And they're doing nothing with her. So who knows? They might start a program, like I say, with uh, Michin and Ava. Okay. After that, uh, we go, uh, I suppose, uh, backstage now. It's with Kathy Kelly. Talk to Santos Escobar. And he's got this match. It's the... Uh, What's that? Uh, United States Championship match against his uh, brethren, Rey Mysterio, who's got utmost respect for him. And he says he's uh, worked his entire life to make this happen. Make this happen. Either A, he's talked about he wanted to fight Rey Mysterio all his life. And finally, he's got the chance to fight Rey Mysterio. Or he just wanted to fight for the, uh, you know, the, the uh, what's that, the United States Championship. He waited all his life for that. But that can't be it. Because if it was that it, he wouldn't have lied down and let Rey Mysterio walk on top of him to uh, take that championship opportunity away from him. So I'm thinking he had this, he waited all his life to beat up Rey Mysterio, you son of an idiot. Anyways, I just made all that up anyways. But anyway, he does feel that uh, he's going to give the match, uh, Rey a match of his life. Is it going to be true? Who knows? We'll find that out later. So next up, we got ourselves backstage here. It's uh, Jimmy all upset over being slapped by a woman. Girl. Ding, ding, ding. No. He got, he just got bitch slapped. He just didn't get slapped. He got bitch slapped. So now his ego's all, all up there. All in your face. So he's with backstage here. He's anybody that's anybody doing anything. He's thinking, you looking at me, sucker. Yes, he turns to a B.A. Baracus. Bad attitude, baby. And then he just just starts pushing people around, thinking he's a big guy. Hey, you're wearing a suit. You're not a wrestler. Ah! So, yeah. Paul Heyman gets on the phone and calls somebody. Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters, apparently. It's better has a better chance calling Ghostbusters than Roman Reigns, apparently. According to me. According to me. 
So after that, we got ourselves one great segment. Um, you know, if, if uh, quickly Grayson Waller's becoming a, uh, I guess, a non-competitor because uh, more and more he's just doing the talk. He just saw all the talk. Even though Grayson Waller, great talker, but apparently that's all he's doing these days. So he's got the Grayson Waller effect. He brings in his guest is, of course, he calls him out. Uh, he says uh, his guest is uh, an absolute physical specimen. You know, he's done it all as a performer, but he is struggling as a talent scout. This is a uh, team ain't working too good. So it's Bobby Lashley. He gets called out there and, uh, you know, some problems with uh, his talent you know, that he wants to recruit. And it's hilarious because uh, right there, Grayson Waller, he suggests probably that uh, Bobby Lashley look at another team. It's uh, between Grayson Waller and Austin Theory. So, you know, you guys may have a past, but look past that for it to the future, because we are the future. And they, they are. Austin Theory and uh, Grayson Waller, they, they are the future, for sure, of wrestling. Regardless of their tag team or not, they are two talented individuals. Mm -hmm. Great minds for wrestling, truthfully. But however, I do think this. Grayson Waller and um, Grayson Waller you know, Austin Theory, um, individually or together, they don't need a Bobby Lashley part of their team. Mm -hmm. They can do better without him. I promise you that. Um, anyway, so it comes down to uh, the Street Profits or Bobby Lashley's a private party, Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford. Um, now, what's going on with them? Well, apparently they burst out into the ring there. <laughs> please, oh, please. Give us another chance. <laughs> okay, they uh, they didn't cry, but they did pretty much beg for another chance to become, uh, you know, the pri Bobby's private party again. Oh, we're lapels. Oh, we're lapels. It's true. Maybe not repels, lapels, but, uh, you know, cape, uh, anyways. Um. So, yeah, uh, so next up. Now, here's where it gets strange. This is where I thought things were going to get interesting because while uh, Bobby Lashley's leaving the ring there, um, obviously, uh, Grayson Waller introduces his best, his, I guess, his, uh, his friend, uh, I guess, on and off as somewhat tag team partner, um, Austin Theory. Austin Theory comes to the ring there. They, he goes face, he looks face to face with, uh, you know, Bobby Lashley. And I thought, okay, so if, uh, now, Bobby Lashley's giving the uh, Street Profits another chance to prove themselves. So I thought this. I thought, is the Street Profits going to have to take out Austin Theory and, uh, you know, uh, Grayson Waller to get in his good books? I thought, oh my goodness, it's going to be attack. Is it? Nope, that didn't happen either. There was no, I thought there was going to be an interview with uh, Austin Theory and, uh, you know, Grayson Waller. That didn't happen either. Just, he just introduced him for his match that's coming up. And it is Austin Theory versus Cameron Grimes. Now, Cameron Grimes has really been doing nothing for the past couple of months, past this year. He's practically doing nothing. Um, you know, uh, his 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 end, his end tenure of the NXT was very lackluster. He was he did nothing at his end of, end of his NXT days. And uh, he's really doing nothing now. Nothing at all. So it's uh, tough to see such an insane talent just being used as a stepping stone for somebody else. 
Now this match here was about uh, 4 minutes and 10 seconds. Now I know these two can go at least 20 minutes. These two can burn it down. These two can just, just tear the roof down, literally. They're that damn good and talented. So... How does this go? There's a lot of this is very it was a good match. It was a lot this was a lot of fun for uh, a little over four minutes. Like I say, this could have gone on longer. This could have went on longer, but I didn't. Now of course with them is uh, you know um Grayson Waller watching alongside. No Cameron Grimes, he got some really good high flying. He's a he's a natural luchador. Huge uh high cross body off the top rope. You know? Now here's where it gets interesting. The end of the match. Now uh Austin Theory gets clotheslined outside of the ring. Uh, Grayson Waller goes outside the ring. Penalty gives him the old PK kick. Penalty kick outside there. Just whap -ho. Then he goes out there. And this is where Grayson Waller decides to interject himself. He, uh, he, I guess he gets into, uh, um, you know, it's a Cameron Grimes face. Hey, back off then. Back off. This is no touch ground outside of the ring. Better back off then. And so then Cameron Grimes turns around to get to give, uh, you know, uh, was that uh, Grayson Waller's full attention? And then that's when it all happened. It all went down. It's uh, Austin Theory grabs Cameron Grimes from behind, chucks him into the ring post, throws him into the ring, rolls in with a massive, he, he does a front roll drop kick. Oh, he front roll then a drop kick right to the face. I mean, standing drop kicks one of the greatest in the business right now it's uh clearly awesome theory damn great his standing drop kick he gets so much height on that standing drop kick it's like a becky lynch's top rope drop kick they get the exact same height exactly the same height maybe maybe uh Austin theory gets a little higher after that it's a town and down they go to sleep you know fireman's carry to uh need to face Mm -hmm. And it's over for, uh, you know, Kyron Grimes. You know, but after the match, of course, we have ourselves a little bit of a, a you know, a, a guest watching them, watching the show today. It's uh, from NXT, soon to be a SmackDown competitor, I'm assuming. It's Dragon Lee in there. And uh, why we have ourselves a little bit of face to face. Austin Theory and Dragon Lee get uh, into a little bit of a, a verbal communication, a little bit of a pushing match, so to speak. So after that, we go to backstage. It's with uh, a little Kayla Braxton, you know, with a pre-match interview with uh, Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio. Now, he says he's got all the love and respect for, uh, you know, uh, Santos Escobar. You know, just almost like his son. Almost exactly opposite of his son. So he really does love Santos Escobar. So yeah, but uh, it comes down to you know, uh, what's that? Uh, he's gonna give uh, put uh, give Santos a fight of his life, fight of his life. So it's looking forward to that. Rey Mysterio. <laughs> I mean, he's doing such good work. Rey Mysterio matches are just good matches, you know, for like a like being in a ring for uh, fifty years of uh, in ring action. It really makes you hone your skills. Anyways, moving on. We got ourselves backstage now. It's the uh, Jimmy Uso. Jimmy! Going Jimmy on everybody. This time, it's what's left of uh, Hit Row. Hit Row. It's a team of two. Now, it's uh, Ashante, the Adonis getting his arse kicked and stomped by uh, Jimmy Uso. 
Enchanté is like, oh, or B-Fab's like, no, no, and she calls for people to help, you know, and then it's Ashanti gets put through the table by uh, Sokoa, by a Sokoa, craft tables, no, mm-hmm. can't put popcorn on there anymore, can't put the pop up corn on there anymore, so moving on, we go to our mid-card match, this is hilarious, a mid-card match, it's a championship, only championship match of the night. It's the mid-card. Hits the mid-card. Uh, it is uh, for the United States Championship title. Representing your uh, reigning and uh, defending champion, Rey Mysterio versus uh, Santos Escobar. Both part of Luftwaffe. I call them Luftwaffe, but they're actually the Latino world order. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was very heavily one-sided to Santos Escobar showing his all his talents in there just just high flying just huge over the top uh, um, tope uh, high cross you know um, what's that uh, he's got now Santos with his own standing drop kick now with Rey Mysterio being only uh, maybe uh, five feet tall you know with his boots now Rey Mysterio this match here I gotta say, I've always um, rag on Rey Mysterio for his body modification gear. Like he wears, like, his bottom half is like, thickens up his legs, his calves, his boots. You know, he wears like these rain boots. He looks hilarious. Today's no different. Body modification from my waist down. I gotta say this. If Rey Mysterio's gonna go full body modification gear, he's gotta use the, those spanks. He's gotta use these tighter spanks to bring in that fat belly of his. I mean, not fat belly, it's just an old man belly. But yeah. I think uh, a, a triple spanks. He can look. He can take at least thirty years off his uh, his age. Mm-hmm. He can look like he's fifty again. So, moving on, and enough with the ragging on the uh, Rey Mysterio and his big floppity boots and his uh, other gear that makes him look bigger. You know, the, the art of deception is all the WWE is about. Am I right? Am I right? High five. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, we got now Rey Mysterio does turn things around now and then because this Rey Mysterio, he just doesn't lie down for anybody. Nope. Not even for his son. He just goes to another uh, program. So, Rey Mysterio goes to top rope and then he just flying scissors to the face. You know, he just scissors uh, Santos's face. Balls to your eat my nuts! He says while well, he jumps to his uh, jumps into uh, Santos's face. Anyways, Nice sitting Santon drops down Santos. Now, there's one move there I thought it was this is interesting. Rey Mysterio goes for a high cross body, just a standing high cross. Santos, he takes that pretty hard. It seems like um, Rey Mysterio, he bounces off his chest. I thought, wow, that was a hard hit. That was a hard hit, baby. Now, while they're fighting, we got ourselves a little bit of a trouble backstage still. It's uh, Jimmy Uso still losing his absolute never never uh, his absolute mind his crazy mind he's just lost his, his he's just lost his shit so he's just beating up everybody and soul score is helping him oh yeah his ego is just absolutely crushed wait till he tells the rock because what are you going to tell uh you know roman reigns <laughs> what's he gonna do he's barely there okay so yeah we got ourselves a situation too in the ring here they fight outside the ring Santos Espar, Rey Mysterio. Now, here's one. Last time they did this, Rey Mysterio went down hard. He whiplashed his head off the uh, soft, soft mats on the ground. 
but he did get whiplash and he couldn't continue the match. This time they tried it again. Um, Rey Mysterio takes this super tope suicida, perfect second and third rope between the two. Hits that thing great. Beautiful looking move. Just spectacular. Spectacular. After that, Santos Espar climbs on the barricade. Moonsault off of that. You think, wow, that's it. That's over. But thank goodness for those really soft, soft pads on top of the hard, hard concrete. Really saves the day. And I always say that. Now you got some huge, awesome spots outside the ring and just showed it. Now, Santos Espar gets the, uh, what's that, the, the, um, the gory, the gory special. Onto, uh, um, it's the old, uh, you know, Guerrera, you know, uh, move. So yeah, he gets that thing on. But uh, here's where it gets uh, interesting. After all this work, you would think Rey Mysterio would just tap out because after he got just crushed outside the ring there. No, no. He uh, he comes out unscathed. He rolls off the Tori, uh, Dodori special with the arm drag. Now, it was a hurricane. They fight on top of the ring there. Um, you know, Central Park gets hurricane off the top. Now, the end sequence. It's uh, Rey Mysterio going for the 619. The first attempt, well, there's a couple of attempts here. The final two attempts. Um, the second last attempt he tried it, he gets caught by uh, Santos Escobar. You know, they scuffle a little bit. Eventually, Santos Escobar gets thrown back. You know, he pulls him, he tries to get him into an Alabama slam or something like that, and then he gets pulled back into the ropes there, and then the, and then the 619 gets continued on, and then he gets hit with the 619. Santos Escobar goes down by getting hit by a tiny little man with the 619, but the 619. After that, here we go, this end sequence was this. After that, Rey Mysterio goes to the top rope, not a slingshot, he doesn't do a slingshot splash like he usually does. He goes to the top rope to do a regular splash. Santos sits up, and Rey Mysterio misses him by that much. Missed him by that much. Hoi vey! And end sequence. Finally. The final end end sequence. Sent to a Saspar goes for the, uh, um, the, uh, fan, uh, um, the driver. <laughs> uh, the phantom driver. That's right. Thinking, oh, I'm, trying, I'm overthinking it. Uh, the phantom driver. He picks him on the shoulders. It got, it's basically ends with the Michinoku driver. Um, like a fireman's carry to Michinoku. So when he does that, he spins him around, and oh, look out! Rey Mysterio, his luchador experience comes in play. And with the uh, inside cradle, hooks Santos Espar, and Santos loses. Um, the deep woods, the backwoods, he gets backwoods. The most humiliating loss you could ever have in wrestling, a roll-up. So, of course, like I always say, like I always say, I should say, Whomever loses with a roll-up pretty much is taking it in the rear. Oil check, baby! So yeah, walking away champion, retaining his belt is Rey Mysterio. I want to see this. I want to see um, a unification match. I want to see the uh, um, United States Championship unify with the North American Championship. And I want to see Dominic Mysterio do it by himself. Mm -hmm. Regardless of Rey Mysterio lying down or... The beatdown doesn't matter. I would like to see that. So I guess after the match, before they can, oh, it's okay. We we are both champions, you know. And clearly, Zelina Vega was watching both these wrestlers, and she was. You can tell she wanted Rey Mysterio to win because every time Rey Mysterio got a beat down, she was like, oh, over dramatically looking. 
Well, she played a part. It was fun. It was fun. But after that, before they can uh, get into the same page again, like, hey, that's okay. You tried hard, but I'm better than you. You guess you suck still. It is the uh, the street profits. You know, they're bringing the party into the ring, and they both they beat up the old uh, LWO, both of them. You know, uh, now here's where it gets hilarious. I'm thinking, where is, uh, you know, Cruz del Toro and Joaquin Wilde? Shouldn't they be down ringside? No, they're not. Now they come to ringside seeing that, oh no, our friends, let's go. So they charge a ring. Joaquin Wilde, I mean, I should say Raul, um, Cruz del Toro, he gets into the wing. He slides the ring bear. But Joaquin Wilde is hilarious. He gets, uh, he gets shoulder tackled. I mean, Bobby Lashley, he's like standing, he's not even looking at him, he just like back elbows Joaquin Wilde out of his boots. It was hilarious. Joaquin Wilde, like, he just, he must just run head first, face, like, face first into a brick wall. It's like, ow, this could be an injury. <laughs> this could be a pretty bad injury. You know, uh, hitting a sudden stop like that, it's got to hurt, no matter who you are. I mean, Bobby Lashley, he's a one gigantic meat mountain. Hitting an elbow to your face, um, concussion. And it didn't look like he, uh, you know, he bumped on purpose with that. I think he was just legitimately knocked out of his boots. Anyways, Cruz del Toro was taken care of, thrown out of the ring there. But uh, Joaquin Wilde, he got the worst of it. He got thrown back in the ring there. And then it's the, uh, they're one and done, I suppose. They're a, uh, the version of the 3D. You know, it's the uh, um, neckbreaker slash powerbomb. Mm-hmm. Instead of neckbreaker slash, you know, Thez... Uh, press or the spine buster okay anyways now I guess Bobby Lashley finally his party's back together Bobby Lashley's happy to have his private party all happy so yeah moving on scooting on Bobby Lashley Montez Ford Angel Dawkins mm-hmm. but here's the thing after that we go uh, backstage all out licking their wounds you know, it's with uh, Caleb Braxton talking to Ray Mysterio and, uh, you know, well, Ray Mysterio and the uh, whole um, Luftwaffe, a lovely woe. But Ray Mysterio, he says he wants a, he wants this to be a fight. He wants to have, he needs, uh, well, he's challenging the Street Profits and Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley and Street Profits uh, versus the LWO in Fastlane. So is this going to be off? Is it going to be like a four on three? You know, handicap? You know, I would think that uh, the LWO would need more people because they're they're uh, badly outgunned, <laughs> being uh, the four-man team against. Now, I say that because, uh, of course, you know they're small. They're all small, except Santos is uh, the heavyweight, it's the quote-unquote heavyweight of the team. Regardless of my criticism of uh, Luftwaffe, Latino World Order, we move on and we go to uh, outside. Finally, John Cena. He's uh he got finally gets here. Yeah, apparently he had some uh, troubles getting here, but he's finally here. And after that we go to a nice little vignette, nice villain little vignette, but the uh, um you know pretty deadly. And I guess it's all good now. They showed their little uh, little fun skits they had about uh, you know Elton Prince uh, injured, going his way, finding his way back to him, not being injured. And now they're a happy, happy family again. So, when will he be back? Will he be back at their first match back? Will be a fast lane? 
Who knows? Does it matter? I don't know. Because the uh, WWE Tag Team Division is straight up trash right now. Straight up trash. You know, they always say, we're going to fix our tag division, but never do anything about it. Because their creative team sucks. Okay, so after that, we got ourselves a little bit... Uh, this uh, is uh, the main event match. You know? Um, this could have been... The, I'm not sure. This something's going on here. It is okay. Charlotte Flair versus uh, Damage Controls Bailey. Now Bailey, I gotta say one thing. A couple things gotta say about Bailey. I think personally, she's got the uh, the sexiest body of all of wrestling. All of actually all of uh, SmackDown. She's straight up sexy. Got a great sexy body. Bailey dresses very frumpy in the ring, so she doesn't. As soon as Bailey, it just embraces her sexiness. We'll see another Bailey. You know, right now we just got ponytail Bailey. Um, now, the thing is, Charlotte brings up facts about Bailey. Like, Bailey, listen, you were a four horseman once upon a time. Now look at you. You're just a side person to the champion. You're now, you're just a stepping stone for me. You know, for anybody. And while Charlotte Flair, me, I'm the measuring stick. And you're just a stepping stone. And it's very true. Bailey, she's been doing nothing. I thought... I thought she'd be champion by now. On her return, I thought she'd at least hold a couple of belts. Other than that damn individual belt, I should say. Other than a tag team championship. Which is nothing. Because the tag team division is rubbish in the WWE. And the women's tag team division is even worse than the men's. So, yeah, it's all true. Now, what about this match? Is it going to be a good match? This was, uh, well, surprisingly good. Because uh, Charlotte Flair is uh, one of the greatest natural talents in all of wrestling. No, she is that damned good uh, in performer in a ring. Um, but, you know, when uh, Charlotte doesn't put herself into the match, it can be, and she really uh, calls it in, it can be really tough to watch. It can be tough to watch. But this match here, uh, now, they did how, like, Bailey had a couple moves out, out, you know, she had this big move where she does this giant elbow from the ring apron outside the ring. Nothing dangerous or that can go wrong. But Bailey, I don't know. Um, is Bailey as good as she was before she made her return? Like before she, um, I don't know. Something's going on with Bailey. Her wrestling abilities, I don't know. Mm, it's nothing. Uh, I don't know. Bailey. Charlotte Flair just showing up here. She was showing off. She was showing. She was shining. Um, so Charlotte was saying that you know what once I get through you what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through you and uh, I'm going to be the next challenger for Eagle Sky period plain and simple and I'm going to go through you to do it and she had pretty much almost no problem at all Charlotte Flair with this massive high cross body press off the top rope just like a shooting star beautiful beautiful Charlotte Flair just shining like a diamond you know now at the end of the match Bailey, she has these, uh, she goes in a flurry of chops. I think she's trying to knock off Charlotte's tits, just chopping away at her breasts. Just like, ah, off they go! And so she hits the ring, hits the ropes there. Charlotte Flair with one massive spear. And that was it, a spear. One spear. Bailey got pinned by one spear. I'm not sure what's going on with Bailey. I mean, uh, I thought Bailey was a fighter. You know, uh, will Bailey ever become a, the women's champion? By the looks of it, I don't think so. Never. 
but in my mind she's still the sexiest woman in all of uh, Smackdown and it was a pleasure to watch her today anyways I'm just being a perv right now and I gotta talk about wrestling but that was it for the match and that ends the match with uh, I guess Charlotte Flair with a big victory um, but Bailey, she wanted to finish Charlotte Flair off and with the team so they'd surround a ring there but coming in to help it's uh, you know Oscar comes in to help and that's uh, you know Bailey and everybody escaped Oscar lays down a challenge she, she starts talking Japanese she starts saying some nonsense who knows what she's saying I say nonsense because I don't I don't understand Japanese but Bailey, she interprets the whole thing. She's like, you want it? Well, you got it. The triple threat match at Fastlane. It's going to be you, Charlotte Flair, and uh, Io Sky for the championship. Like, and Io's like, I didn't say that. I didn't hear that. She didn't say that. I thought it would be hilarious. Hilarious. If uh, Bailey interpreted it. Like, force interpret it as, a, you want a triple threat? It's going to be Eos Guy versus Asuka versus Bailey for the world championship. I don't know why you want that for, but I accept it. I thought that would, that would have been so hilarious. Like, and then he was like, what? You? How, wait, what? Then it gets to be really confusing. Really hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, that would have been a, a meta step. A meta four step. Anyways, after that, we got ourselves a little bit of John Cena in ring promo, promo, you know, wearing his best costume out there. You know, he goes to the, uh, you know, the swag area you know, where uh, people get the, their stuff, the merch, and he gets his uh, fresh uniform every time he goes to the show. That's what I think, except for the shoes, probably. Those things are just too expensive to get at the merch shop. So he goes in the ring there and he promised, he said, last week I promised I wanted to fight again. But he didn't fight last week and he won't fight today either. Truly, truly that. Uh, so basically, he uh, he wants a match um, with, uh, with the bloodline. Whether it's, uh, if he finds a partner or not, either it's going to be a tag team match or it's going to be a handicap match. John Cena wants... Um, Jimmy and Solo Sokoa, you know, at Fast Lane, and then here's where it comes, it gets fun, because it's, uh, you know, Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, you know, uh, Paul Heyman, go to the ring area there, it's about to get, to get the big 2-1-1 attack, John Cena takes out some uh, Jimmy Uso, you know, and then Solo Sokoa, just like last week, just like last week, last week's attack. Sol Sokoa goes for attack. He gets picked up for the AA, the attitude adjustment. And then it's Jimmy Uso with a big kick to the face. The whole repeat of last week. But this time, they're about to put John Cena through a table. But we got John Cena's savior. It's uh, L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight comes to the ring there. Um, and uh, I guess beats up some Jimmy Uso. Beats up some Sol Sokoa. And just saves some weights, uh, you know. It gives John Cena some time to recover, so her him to come back and uh, help out. So then uh, they beat off. They beat off both uh, Solo and Jimmy Uso. Mm -hmm. Fastlane is going to be fun because it's L.A. Knight. He picks up that contract and signs his name where AJ Styles' name should be. So yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, this is a huge play, huge power play for L.A. Knight. Um... 
I think, yeah, I think LA Knight uh, putting himself in this situation is a wonderful step in a wonderful booking decision. So yeah, so it's gonna be good, gonna be fun. You know, it's a, uh, what can go wrong? Final last words, which is, so yeah, we end the match, end the show with that. And that does wrap up this episode of SmackDown and concludes this entire, for our podcast podcast listeners, this is concludes our entire episode of The Wrestling Show. Now, if uh, for everybody who stuck around for the very end of this episode, I hold a very special place in my heart just for you. Uh, so, please join us again next week, or next time, I should say, for another episode of The Wrestling Show. I've been your host, Lip Hazlywood, saying uh, uh, bye for now. Your mom told me the other day That you're never home for pie So I promised her in early May I'll make a pie I'll make an apple pie I'll make an apple pie You set your oven to 350 Then you put your pie straight in And when that good pie is not baking Your oven's probably not on Don't freak out, make sure the oven's on Put the pie, it will take a long Well, you think your way is the only way While your mommy's sad and cries That's why I promised in early May I'll make a pie I'll make a pie I'll make an apple pie Pie Hey there, would you like pie? I like pie Is that pie in the snow? Don't tell me it's apple pie 
Some apple pie. Just eat my damn apple pie, baby. Eat my pie. 